It is? Yeah. Three, two, one, boom, and we're live. Oh, we're talking about yoga and yeah. Russell Simmons. Yeah, Russell Simmons. He moved to Bali because he's worried about them extraditing him. I don't know if he's worried, but I. I and this is all. Really? This, I'm, this is all conjecture. This is what I've right. heard. But I, I, I just bought him up because uh, he had a yoga studio here. Did he? Yeah, and he gave me a month free. A month free high end yoga thing. Like you just show up in your clothes. They give you the mat, towels, really? blocks. Everything and everybody was awesome, and I went every day for a month and did yoga next to Russell Simmons. Wow! And he was like amazing, and and I was like really feeling it. I felt great, and then uh, all the stuff happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy to slide. Oh man! Oh, it's so man. easy to slide away. Yeah, man. I, I love that guy dearly. I have a funny story. What do you think is more important in stand up? Uh, to be polished. Or to be raw. There's no more important thing. They're mm-hmm. they're both very important. But Joey Diaz is not polished at all, mm-hmm. and he's the funniest guy that I've ever seen. Yeah, no one's ever made me laugh harder. He's yeah. not polished. He's raw as it's, fuck. It's, but it's, but, but it's raw real. alone is not good because some guys like Jesselneck is very polished and right. he's very funny. You're yeah. very polished. Thank You're you. very funny. Yes. It's no, there's no there's no one thing. You know, it's like comedy is a, it's an art, you it's know, an art, it's right? an expression of who you are. If you're a polished person and you try to come off raw, it's going to look corny. So, so I, I bought that up because I am, tw- I don't know, young 20s. Def Jam is having auditions. It just moved from New York to L.A. And Beverly Hills is where they're taping, which was ironic in itself. And uh, but I was raw. Yeah, you remember those when you go hit it, DJ, and you have music cue like yeah. this. <laughs> so I auditioned, and uh, Bushwick Bill uh, was one of the judges. It was like a I auditioned at All Jokes Aside in Chicago, and I got picked. I was one of the people to get picked to tape Def Jam. First time I was ever flown out anywhere. First time I ever came to was flown to Los Angeles. I'd been here before. Stayed at the Hotel Sofitel. Whoa. But what happened is I got picked. I was raw. About three months went by. I went on a tour of North Dakota, South Dakota, Minneapolis, where none of those Def Jam jokes worked. (laughs) So I started, like, getting polished a little bit, Mm. right? So when I went to tape Def Jam, I did it, and I got, I think, seven applause breaks. But I didn't get the standing ovation. And I remember when I got off stage, like one comedian said, way to keep him seated. <laughs> and Russell walked right past me. Like, I just wanted him to see me. So I knew I wasn't going to air, right? And I got, that was Wait my Wait a first minute, you got seven applause, seven breaks, applause breaks and it wouldn't air? Well, I got a note. I got, a, I got my first rejection letter saying, thank you so much, but you're, you're, you won't be airing. They aired, Rod, they aired Rodman and they aired two other people. And then, so I felt, like shit you know what I mean like I was like damn am I black enough like the whole black thing (laughs) like damn I'm not a part of Def Jam I want to be torn I I can make those audiences laugh but what I auditioned with it was straight from Maryland like straight Mm. just raw like all bravado I wasn't talking about anything and I went to these other cities and it was kind of like I was kind of like finding my style right how many years had you been doing it at that time? I was probably doing, I started at 19, but I, you, you know, that's, that's the college start. Mm-hmm. And then you, 
but I think I, I started doing it full time at 22 and I was probably 26. So maybe four years. Uh, arrogant, though. Like, you know, if, if I was your feature act, I, I knew I always kept a time clock. Sometimes I would go long, but I would. But I was I was very proud of like if they said do 12, I would do 12. You know, what I mean, that, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I was I was getting standing ovations, but I wasn't talking about nothing. And then I started like doing these other states and I, I was like, OK, fine. Don't get don't get it. So my objection, my, I really needed Russell Simmons to like me. Like, you know what I mean? He meant so much to the culture and to, and he just, when he just didn't see me, I just was like, damn, years go by. And it, 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 the, the pain of it like diminishes, but it's still kind of in there. But it's, you know, it's like a Marvel villain. Like, you're like, I gotta, <laughs> yeah, I must. Uh, but it kind of, so then Russell has another show and um, I didn't even think I was going to get picked. My only goal was just, to make him laugh because he, w- he was at the audition and it was in New York. I was living in New York. He was there and Stan Latham was there. And uh, this is years later. I found I knew who I was. I knew what I was you know, coming to say. I didn't know if it was going to match their show. And, um, and, and, what, and, I'm, and what I'm saying is like Def Jam prided itself on raw, like being raw. You know what I mean? And, and un- like, you know, a, a new voice and then I, I so I didn't fit like what they were selling you know uh, and so then when I saw Russell was saying I do my act I see Russell grab his stomach and go over so I'm I'm good if I get the show I get it if I don't get it I'm good I see Stan Lathan go I see them do the whisper I I literally don't care if I, I get the show I, I did what I set out to do right? right so all the other comics are staying back to schmooze and hey man like I left I left I didn't I end up getting the show and this is the show now when Russell was sitting in the audience and there are comics sitting up there and, and I'm doing my act and I was I was talking about HBO Hung, that show about white dude with a big dick for real, that's what we're doing. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's where we at now. And I did like the stereotype game and all this stuff and and I did one joke and I remember Russell got up and gave me a gave me a pound in the middle of my set. It was like Whoa. a slow motion. And you could see all the comics like and I was like so it was like the full circle of 24 year old me yeah beat it and then <laughs> 32 34 year old me maybe mm. russell was like yo my man and then right. i would go uh you know then i was doing yoga with him for a little bit but it, it, we we never hung post it was just like you know i was just like i don't know it was just Did like a full circle moment call you and say i'm giving you this month free yoga or was it a part of doing the show how did that happen? No, I, he, he used to be at all deaf. All uh, he had, uh, he had all deaf digital. So he moved here, and um, I think I went there to pitch him something. He was like, "Yo, nigga, you do yoga? You do yoga? You know?" He was like, "You come here," and he just gave me a month free, and I was like, "I'm gonna take it." And so every morning I would wake up and drive, and I didn't know I was gonna be in his class. Like Usher Raymond would be in there. He was flexible as hell. Really like, incredible. Yeah, like all these people would be in there, and I was I really Usher started getting fight. into it. Really? Have you ever seen him train? No. Usher has videos online of him training at Black House, and he's legit. Wow. Like, he's a legit skilled fighter. I believe it. Like, he's got, like, real good hands. He can throw kicks, everything. Yeah. He is probably the Kobe of R&B. Really? I feel like he outworks everybody. You know, when I saw him in yoga class, I was like, who else is doing this? Like, (laughs) in your field, you know what I mean? Like, uh... I don't know. Yoga is something you don't get any credit for doing. 
No. Because it's, it's fucking hard as shit, but it seems like no big deal. Like, if you say, oh, I ran seven miles today, people are like, whoa. Yeah, that's you say, impressive. I did yoga today. They're like, bitch ass. What you bitch doing? Ass yeah, stretching yeah, yeah. with some old ladies. Dude, I- <laughs> <laughs> That's, but it's real, man. I I, it, I felt so good when I was doing it, and I I, I don't think I I didn't tell anybody I was doing it. Ah. You know what I mean? Like my wife knew I was going. And, yeah. But it is it's a personal thing. It's like golf, right? It's a personal. It's it's just you against your body. And Russell, he would give me tips. You know, it's it's about breathing in difficult situations. He would always say that. I never forgot that. You know? mm, it is about breathing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's about breathing. That's what life is. Like, life is going to give you difficult situations. And if you don't remember to breathe, fur, you're fucked. That's yeah. kind of like the whole the premise of it. Well, I feel like we operate on a scale. And mm. the least difficulty you have in your life, the more difficult it is to encounter real adversity. So when you give yourself voluntary difficulty... So I volunteer to work out hard. I volunteer to do jujitsu. I volunteer to do yoga. I've, I've pushed myself to do these things. When actual real life difficulties come along, like they're hard, but there's never a time in life where it's as hard as a 90 minute yoga class. Wow. You're sweating like crazy. You barely can stand up. You're trying, your feet are cramping, your legs tramping, pouring sweat, pouring down on the mats. For, I mean, it's temporary. You know it's going to end in 40, 50 seconds, whatever the pose is. But that mo- to, to just hang in there is so hard Dude. that I think it prepares you for other things other than like the loss of a, f- a loved one or something like that. That's impossible oh, to prepare yeah. yourself for. But just bullshit stress. Right. Just regular life bullshit stress. Yoga class makes that stuff look like nonsense. If you're Man. doing yoga on a regular basis. Yeah. Well, I, 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 it was something... I'm consistently inconsistent. You know what I mean? But I'll go through a, a phase. So yeah. before the Russell thing, I went to a hot Bikram class. Yeah, that's what I do. So I went to a hot Bikram. And this is when I was single. So I was basically just following the asses. Like, yo, we all going? <laughs> y'all going, oh, hey. And I would go into there. And yeah, I remember it was a big room. And everything was chilling. You know, I, I literally had never done this at all. I was literally I just, you know. I don't know why. I don't know why. And I just remember they closed all the windows and they stopped the fans and it started getting really hot. And I was doing the poses and I was shaking. And like you said, I was sweating profusely. And the only thing I knew was it was supposed to be a place of no judgment. They kept going. It's, it's your journey. It's yoga practice. No judgment. The lady had the little mic thing. And she came over to me and she covered it and she whispered to me, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm feeling judged. I'm like, I'm really feeling judged right now. <laughs> That's how awful I must have looked. I'm just I, like, I couldn't. And so I didn't really go back after that. My ego was bruised a little bit. And so I would do it at home sometimes. Preparing to go back? <laughs> Trying to practice yoga, son, so I, could, so I could not get judged. And when I left, like, she was like, the teacher was like on the cover of the magazine in front. I was like, mm-hmm. damn, like, she legit like yeah and so but how she did it it was so funny she was like are you all right (laughs) (laughs) i was like trying to like trying to show off for these girls man and just terrible it's fucking uh, hard man and and the reason why they ask you if you are right because sometimes people are not all right yeah like i've seen people almost black out where they have to lay down oh yeah because it's 105 degrees in there and if you're not used to that kind of exercise in that kind of temperature if you have, you know, a per- if you're one of those people that just 
that stuff gets to you and you, you can handle can't out. handle it. Yeah, yeah, you can legitimately pass out. They don't need that. I remember did you remember Bally's gym? Yeah. I remember yeah. Uh, I used to live on on a there's a Bally's at the bottom of the hill and I belonged to Bally's, you know. And uh I would go, you know, I went through a period I'm going when it opens. And so I went, I think it opened at six maybe. Damn, you were a six o'clock in the morning guy. I, I did that for a minute. <laughs> get there it's a line outside how come we can't go in and this lady this lady's like somebody's dead in the pool it was whoa. a dead body like floating in in the valleys whoa and then I never forget this other lady goes at least he got out his contract <laughs> 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 like not even not even give him a second to like no moment of silence because uh, Bally's was notorious for not letting you out. Yeah. At least he got out his contract. And then uh, everybody still waited. And we well, 24-hour fitness is the weirdest one. They'll let oh, yeah. you sign up for like 10 years for like a dollar a week. Oh, hilarious. They don't give a fuck. No. They, they know you're not coming. Right. They're like, right. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll help you with your goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to get fit. You're going to get jacked. We're going to get ripped like Bobby over here. Look at Bobby. <laughs> Bobby shows up every day. Right. And you're like, wow, I'm going to be like Bobby. And then you just start eating chips, yeah, drinking soda, never show up. It's a. I wonder, like, what are the percentage? I wonder if we could find this. What are the percentages of members in twenty four hours, twenty four hour fitness that actually go on a regular basis? I oh, bet no. it's, that's a great they hustle. Don't share that. They wouldn't share it. No way. You're that. probably right. Yeah. No way. Because then people would go, "Why am I signing right. up for that?" Yeah. Yeah. That's a great hustle, man. I did. I had, I had a 24-hour fitness for a moment, and then I would go, and it would be so crowded, I would just go home. Sometimes it's real crowded. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I can't even. Yeah. I can't even do anything. Then some of them, like, you couldn't use all of them, too. You'd show yes. up in one. Oh, you don't have that membership. Yes. Like, what are you talking Equinox about? Equinox is like that, too. Oh. I did Equinox for a second. Now, this is a 24-hour club sport. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. I did Equinox for a second. I got to play basketball uh, with Magic. Really? Yeah, he was in there working out every morning. Wow! This when I was on Arsenio too, so he had like. So he just play a pickup game with people? No, I didn't. He would he would shoot around, and I just kind of like made myself like available on the court. I'm just there. When the ball went through the through the rim, I went and got the rebound. I, I gave it to him, and he shot another one. I got the rebound. I go, <laughs> oh, I just wanted the rebound for you. <laughs> and then I gave him a pass, and he did the classic hook, and he goes, and now you got an assist. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. And so, and, and then, because uh, a lot of basketball players would come up there, and I would look at him like, man, I'm glad I couldn't. Like, Magic is huge, man. Like, yeah. have you seen him in person? No. He's, he's huge. Huge. Like, and I'm 6'5", so, yeah. but his back is, is like, I, I, like I, I had hoop dreams until I, I played against Grand Hill in high school. Grand Hill is 6'9", and it was a Christmas tournament, and my mom was there, and my girlfriend at the time, uh, shout out to, uh, well, I'm married now, but anyway, <laughs> my girlfriend at the time was there, and uh, I had a rah-rah section, you know, we were the home team, and Grand Hill uh, comes in, and my coach had me check him, and I I never, um, I, I guarantee you he won't remember this, but... Um, it's this thing called a crossover, right? And with most people, if you cross over, I'm, I'm still in front of you. Grant was so long when he did put the ball from this hand to this hand, I, <laughs> I had to literally slide two steps. And then when he went back, I had to slide back two steps. And when he went up here, there was no way I could get up there. And mm. so I told my girlfriend, yo, go home. Like, y'all don't need to see this. <laughs> he scored like 60 points. <laughs> he was shooting from half court. Like, he just looked at us like, Wah! I was like, I'm a uh, 
do well in school. That's a fascinating thing when you see someone who's a world class athlete at the world beginning class. of their journey. You know, this is in high school? High school. Yeah. High beginning school. of their journey. Yeah. Right? Because he's really just getting, really becoming just getting a man. Yeah. yeah. He's not even really a man yet. Nope. And, but you see already, see. Yeah. like they have that jump. I'm sure Jordan was like that. I'm sure. Well, this one wasn't Jordan like didn't make his high school team. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Who cut him? God. Yeah. You know, you know that coach had to, when he went home that night, had to talk to his wife like, I think I made it terrible mistake <laughs> but he probably didn't realize it because Maybe. at the time jordan pro well jordan is not the biggest guy in the world either right how tall is he is he six four he's six 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 but compared to some of those giants like when they're standing like Shaq is the most ridiculous human being i've he's ever met incredibly strong his yeah. hands are as big as his table yeah they just reach out yes. and just swallow your arm yeah he's so big man he lives in my neighborhood a word yeah I, um uh i did a commercial with him it never it never aired we did like a series of spots and uh, he was like a big kid, man. He was so fun. He's a fun guy. He I did Fear so Factor fun. with him. You did? He did a whole episode with me. Oh, man. Where he came in because we did it in Orlando. And so yeah. he, he, he was a fan, so he brought his whole family down. He had a bus. He brought a tour bus to hang out in. He's so fun, And man. then he uh, you know, he did the thing. Like, Three, two, one, <laughs> go. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm standing next to him like a little six-year-old with my dad. It's man. hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's people that are just they're different, man. They're yeah. just different level athletes. And I bet Jordan, as good as he was, you know, it probably he needed that rejection to turn that burner on. Yeah. To make him Jordan. Yeah, to the make real him Jordan. focus. Yeah. Yeah. And that's always going to be a story that he was cut from his high school basketball team. Yeah, he, I think he brought it up in his Hall of Fame speech. I think so too. Yeah, I the love Hall that. of Fame speech when he kept shitting on all the all the different writers. <laughs> you remembered all of them. All of them. Like, bro, you're Michael Jordan. Why are you even bringing these guys up? Nobody even cares. Wouldn't let it go. That's but that's why he's so great. Yeah. That burning fire. They would say that if you beat him at pool, he would hate you for two weeks till he'd play you again. Amazing. He used to have a pool tournament that he would do in Chicago every year, and it was for charity. So he'd have all these celebrities come and play pool with him. But, you know, he wasn't a good pool player. Right. He was like, a, it was okay. But there's like real pool players out there. They'll fuck you up. Tear and, your shit up. And yeah. if he got beat, he would be furious, yeah. apparently. He just couldn't <laughs> handle it. But that's the case with everyone who's great at something. They don't want to lose at shit. They don't want to lose at backgammon, parcheesi. Yeah. You know. Is that healthy at a certain point? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yo, Mike, turn that off, It's man. so unhealthy. Yeah. It's so unhealthy. But that's what makes them great. It's like it, it, there's, there's a pro and a con to everything. You know, I have this saying that I've always said that greatness and madness are next door neighbors and they borrow each other's sugar. Mm. You can't be great unless mm. you're a little crazy. And if you can't be the best ever unless you're out of your fucking mind. And Jordan's clear. When you see him in that that pre that that uh, speech when he's talking about the Hall of Fame, when he's talking about getting inducted and all the people that are wrong, all the yes. people that... He's angry still. I mean, yeah. he's a crazy person. This is the, one of your great highlights as recognized the greatest basketball player of all time. Think about how many people have played basketball. Millions of people all over this country and millions of people around the world. There's one guy. If everybody says, who's the greatest basketball player? It's Michael motherfucking Jordan, right? I mean, you've got your other people. You got your dissenters who say, "Well, I think LeBron's better." LeBron. I have a theory. I have a theory about that. I have a theory about that. So here's my thing. I feel like that's the wrong narrative. I feel like so. Here's the, my, my friend and I. We we were talking about what is um, greatness, 
right? Greatness is clearly the numbers and the accolades and the wins, but greatness is also um, being able to overcome great difficulty and still perform, right? Mm. And so adding that into the formula, I feel like out of everyone that's a part of the conversation, LeBron is the only one who never met his dad. Like Jordan mm. knew his dad, Kobe rest in peace, his dad played in the NBA. Magic knew his dad, Kareem knew his dad. It's a thing, you know. LeBron, tallest dude in Akron, walking around every day. You see another tall dude, he had to be like, Dad, is that? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, just mentally. Right. It, like, who taught him the game? Like, Jordan had these great teachers and all that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the question should be, Michael Jordan is clearly the greatest of all time with two parents. But with one parent, LeBron is the greatest. And Kevin Durant is like a, coming up. That's an up. interesting way of looking at it. Just because you, it's different starting lines. But there's you know? so many different variables that take place in yeah. your life from birth to death. To just isolate one factor, like not having a father. Well, I'm, but I mean, it's like all of Jordan talked about when he got cut from his team, his dad was the one who pushed him. Like mm, he was his greatest right. motivator. Like he had that. Like who was doing that for LeBron? LeBron. Who taught him the game? Like yeah. Jordan went to NC State where Dean Smith was one of the greatest. You know, everyone talks about Jordan's fundamentals. Where did LeBron learn this from? Like, mm. Who was teaching him this stuff? And if. And so it's it's just a different space, and so it's and, almost and, like saying, and I relate to LeBron because I I was raised by a single mom, so I recognize myself more in him than in Jordan. Mm. And it's, it's it's a very you know nuanced uh, thing, but. I feel like when people go, who's the greatest? I'm like, man, I do have two parents. Like, uh, it's like yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's cool. funny. It's like if you. But, I, but I what about awesome. motivation? The, the, the thing about having two parents versus one, is there something about having one parent that gives you this insane motivation to drive, this drive to succeed? That's a, that's a, a factor in a lot of people. That was a factor in me. Yeah. Growing up because I didn't grow up with my dad. Yeah. Not, oh, you didn't? Not okay. knowing my dad. I talked to my dad since I was seven years old. Okay. So that and the fact that I knew him up right. until I was six and then didn't talk to him for the rest of my life. Yeah. That fucked with me. Yeah. And that there's, so there's a part that of that. Yeah. There's a part of that that would make you like, I'll show you motherfuckers. Like, you guys don't think I'm worth anything? I'll show you. Yeah. Like, there's something that... Like Mike Tyson had that. Like a lot of people had that. A lot yeah. of a lot of great athletes had terrible upbringings, and it's almost a positive factor. Right. You know, you could say that Jordan's dad was a positive factor, and that that would that can work as well. But it also sometimes it can be a positive factor to be ignored. Having a difficult childhood <laughs> can actually be a positive factor. Oh, definitely. I mean, look, LeBron's a billionaire. It clearly yeah. was a positive factor. Yeah, it worked out. But I'm just. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. It worked out. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying in the debate of I know what you're saying. who's I, the greatest. Yeah, I know what you're like, saying. I mean, this but dude I'm saying had different. It, it could, there's two different ways that could go. Yeah. But it's also like they're, they're, they're playing in different eras. That's a that's – a, like, did that's you see really. the Tyson Fury-Deontay Wilder fight? I saw clips. Holy shit. Oh, my shit. gosh. Were you there? No. Oh no, I watched gosh. it at home. Holy shit. How Holy big is Fury, shit. though? Fury six, like, seven. Almost three. No, pounds? six nine. Six nine. Deontay's six seven. Fury six nine. Six nine, two hundred and seventy pounds. 
And he just fig- he said he figured out in the first fight that Deontay, in the 12th round, he started backing Deontay up. Deontay can't fight backing up. Because Deontay is a, a guy who pushes forward, mm-hmm. and he's got this ridiculous power. Right. And everybody's scared of his power, so everybody's moving all the time. And Fury realized in the 12th round after Deontay knocked him down, almost knocked him out, mm-hmm. he got up and started chasing Deontay, and Deontay fought sloppy. He, he said he looked awkward. He said his footwork didn't look so good. Technique. He's, yeah, well, it's Deontay's known as being this guy who's got an eraser. His mm. right hand's like an eraser. All the mistakes. Teddy Atlas put it this way. All the mistakes of the previous rounds all get erased with one punch. Blah! <laughs> He just shuts people's lights out. And he has that confidence that he has that eraser power. But with Tyson Fury, realized, like, look, Tyson doesn't fight that way. Tyson Fury fights on his toes. He sticks and moves. He does a lot of head movement and a lot of, of like, shucking and jiving. And it makes it very difficult for you to figure out what he's doing. Like, is he going here? Is he going there? Is he moving? Is he jabbing? He'll come at you like this with two, three fake jabs, then a jab at a right hand. He'll throw a right hand to the body. Then he'll throw a left uppercut. He'll step to the side of you. He'll throw a right hand. He'll move out of the way. He'll pop you with a jab as he's moving away. He's like a very technical like really sophisticated boxer. If you look at the movement that he does, for someone as big as him, it's really kind of crazy. And it's not that he couldn't step forward and smash people and knock people out. It's just he knows the sweet science. Yes. You know, he knows the sweet science. But then he realized for this fight, he had to fight a different way. To, to shock Deontay, he had to come at Deontay full blast, get in his face from the from the jump, and that's exactly what he did. He also trained ch- changed trainers, and he went with Sugar Hill, who's a Kronk uh, trainer. Kronk is where Tommy Hearns came from, mm. um, you know, Gerald McClellan, some of the great like knockout artists of the past and Kronk Jim from Emmanuel Stewart was known as being a very offensive style of fighting they have heavy jabs they don't touch you with the jab they're smashing with the jab big power in the right hand like Kronk was a, a an attacking aggressive style like they were all known like they would wear those Kronk shorts those yellow golden shorts you saw a guy with Kronk shorts on that motherfucker came to kill you and they they <laughs> fought in um when they were in the gym Emmanuel Stewart would turn the, the heat up to 100 degrees. So when they were doing, they were doing like hot yoga in, in the fucking <laughs> Kronk gym because he wanted to build up endurance in these guys. So when you would go into the Kronk gym in Detroit, it was hot as fuck, like really hot. And that's how he would force everybody to train under extreme duress. He was an amazing, amazing trainer. He's the guy who re- rejuvenated Vladimir Klitschko. When Vladimir Klitschko was falling apart because <clears throat> he had gotten KO'd a few times, he his style just he didn't have like an american style he had this like sort of straight up european style mm. and emmanuel stewart just shifted his style and and just made him concentrate on utilizing that long reach and the big power that long jab so when tyson fury <clears throat> went with a cronk trainer for this like he he was ve- dead serious he was going for seek and destroy I he told that. everybody that's what he was going to do too but nobody believed him everybody thought it was just a hustle like him saying, yeah. I'm going to knock out Deontay Wilder. I'm going to come after him. I'm going to knock him <laughs> yeah. out in two rounds. Everybody's like, you're out of your fucking mind. Even Deontay was like, you don't believe a word you're saying. You're just talking. You're not going to try to knock me out. That's that was exactly what he, he did. figured out the puzzle. He figured out the puzzle in That's the 12th the round of the first fight. He just realized when he had him backing up, he's like, yeah. oh, this guy stumbles on his feet. He gets all awkward and you got him backing up. Yeah. So he just just he stuck to him L. like glue. He took that L. That's what I wanted to talk to you about. 
um, I want to start fighting, man. No, no. <laughs> My son needs to know. No, no, no. I want to talk to you about, first I want to thank you because you've been very kind uh, about just promoting my stand-up on this platform. Oh, you're welcome. Dude, and, I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan. Thank you, man. You and, don't uh, make any sense to me. I know. You are one of the best comics in the world. And thank the you. fact that people don't know who you are, you should be filling arenas. So, I, so this is what I'm doing. I, I made something. And I want to give it to your viewers so they can watch it and judge for themselves. If they just go to textowen.com. Textowen.com. Text I'll send you some never before seen stand up of mine. If you if you if you fuck with it, then we see what happens. I'll check back with you a little bit later. <laughs> oh, there we go. <laughs> yeah, you go to that. <clears throat> You're you do doing that. Uh, the improv with me Wednesday, right? The I late am. show. I this am. Wednesday. The late show. Beautiful. But uh yeah, come hit me with that. I'll text you back. Beautiful. And then after this podcast. See how many people, whatever, and I'm gonna send you some never before seen stand up. If you haven't seen me, not familiar with me, if, and um, dude, it's gonna break your phone. Hey man, I, I, that's that's <laughs> my prayer. You know what I mean? Because uh, you you don't understand the the your 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 kind words, how it's uh, affect affected my life in a great way. Uh, I felt like Vladimir Klitschko, basically. As, as far as like comedy is concerned, and then when you would be like, "Dude, you're shit," I'm like, "For real?" <laughs> like, well, it doesn't. Really, it doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I, I know great comics. You know, yeah. <clears throat> most comics when they get to your your level, they're famous. Mm -hmm. They're famous for being really great comics. Well, I see you on stage. Like we, I was watching the last time we worked together, and I, I forget who I was <clears throat> standing in the back of the room talking to, but I was like, "This doesn't even make any sense." I mean, he's so good. <laughs> He should be headlining arenas. That's like, my goal, it, yeah. It's so, true. It's just like you, your comedy is so polished and so – and I was talking to Tony about it. I was uh, – Tony Hinchcliffe. We were yeah. in the back watching once. I was like, look how economy of words. Like you use just the right amount of words. Like you have to fill in the blank. You make people fill in the blank sometimes and it <laughs> makes things even funnier. Like that, that's, that's all black belt shit, man. It's like I love it. you just spent so much time writing. Yeah. You know, and writing for sitcoms and writing for movies, and I know it's been very lucrative for you, and it's it's great, and you know you're a great writer. There's no question about it. But yeah. you're a world class stand up. Thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. It's true. Go to textown.com. Because <laughs> I'm serious, man. Because it's like, I, you know how the business changed, mm -hmm. and you know I thought that if you just had quality work, that you know yeah. it would. And then it's 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 just changed to something that I the TV shit all went away. It all went away, yeah. and so um, so we'll see, we'll yeah. see. I'm, I'm putting myself out there. <laughs> well, you got to get a special. That's all it's gonna yeah. take for you. Yeah, you know, on Amazon a platform that people watch. Someone, yeah, yeah, Netflix. Netflix. Would, someone's gonna step up. Yeah, that would be great. You know, um, and so we'll we'll see. But I just want I wanted to thank <clears> you. And yeah, my pleasure. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, yeah. Break my phone, y'all. I want to I want to <laughs> experience that. Right. <laughs> Because right. Comedy Central is, I mean, Comedy Central is great. I owe them a debt of gratitude. They put mm -hmm. my special out in 2014 and 2009. Yeah. But the reality is, it's like it's just not the same anymore. People aren't watching it like they used to watch it. Yeah, they lost the public trust somewhere. Yeah, well, they put somewhere. out a lot of bullshit shows. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This, they're, they're micromanaging things. There's a lot of people that are scared of anything controversial. Yeah. Somebody told me they fired a lot of people over there, but you know, mm -hmm. you hear that. And, oh, we'll see. We'll see what's happening. Listen, next. they passed on Kyle Dunnigan's show. Kyle Dunnigan, so funny. He that fucking shit that he does with face swap is the funniest Amazing. shit on Instagram. He is the funniest man on Instagram. And there's a lot of funny shit on yes. Instagram, but his shit clear like 
makes me cry. I cry sometimes so watching funny. this stuff. Yeah, he's so and he's, he's a talented, creative guy. And the fact that they didn't pick that show up is. But I knew they were fucking it up already because he showed me this one clip. It was Caitlyn. You know, he does everything with face swaps, <laughs> right? He had Caitlyn Jenner on top of Donald Trump, fucking Donald Trump. <laughs> and it was hilarious, man. He shows it to me in the back room in the main room. I'm crying. Tears are coming down my eyes. We're laughing so hard. And he goes, and get this. Comedy Central passed on that. I go, what? I know. He said, they said we, can't, we can't do that one. They said, we, have, we can't do that one. It's too controversial. I go, controversial? That's what you do. Right. Everything you do is controversial. But it's, us. it's so obvious that it's fake. It's funny because it's fake. It's like South Park. Like yeah. you fucking dummies. What is your most successful show? South Park. What, is, what does that show do? They don't give a fuck. They go all out. Yeah. South Park has no boundaries. And it's uh, one of the reasons why it's the greatest. Com it's the greatest comedy show ever. Yo, man, you. That's, that's the thing. That the that's the thing about creating, and and depending on invisible people to, uh, yes. approve it or get it because yes. you don't know where the nose coming from. Right. Like, like what mm -hmm. you just said is an impassioned argument. If you could sit down with the the decision maker and go and and just talk about it. Yes. Then maybe his show would have gone, but you like you don't know who anybody is. You write it. You know, you just go, oh, this is good, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's so hard because there's the people that are watching it and then judging whether or not they're going to put it on television. First of all, they're not creative people. If they were, they would be doing what you're doing. Yeah. They're, they're executives. Yeah. And they think they're smart. They think they understand comedy and they also don't want to get fired. And they don't also don't want to get in trouble. And they also want to sell ads. There's so much fuckery going on. Yeah. You know what? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. What their man they call it mandates, like what their mandates are or what they're dealing with, just so that because you get excited about something and you push and you go, this is yeah. what I want to do. And it is sometimes you go, oh, man, I don't think they're considering the actual audience no. sometimes. So I don't. But I, you know, I don't know what they're considering, you know. And it can drive you crazy. It can, it can drive, drive you crazy. It can drive you they're crazy. They're also seriously worried about woke culture. They, yeah. they want to make sure, like I've I've had friends that went to pitch things and they're like, "Where's the diversity? You know, we, we, you know, we need a, a trans biracial woman in this. We needed this. We needed that. Like, hey, just concentrate on making it good. Make it great. Just make it good. You know, the, I think your diversity should be everybody who's good. Find people who are good. Don't exclude them because they're gay or trans or whatever. But don't include them because they are if they're not talented. Just because that's insertion. not good. You you just need good. You know, it would be nice if it was easy for all those people of all different backgrounds to get up in stand-up comedy clubs and then get their career going. And I don't know any situation. I mean, I'm so far removed from open mics, it's hard for me to even talk about it <laughs> we anymore. We should do one. <laughs> we should. We should do one. We should. Just Let's new shit. Let's film it. Yeah. Only do new shit. <laughs> yeah. Hey, whatever happened to that thing we did with you, yes. uh, with the, the notebooks. notebooks? Yeah. Um that was hilarious. So, I couldn't so, believe I found those. Dude, it was great. It was great. And I, 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 was, I was thinking of giving that to people when they text Owen.com. So I shot six, edited four, and took it around town. A lot of people didn't get it. A lot of no's. The, the people who loved it the most was All Things Comedy. Mm. And they were like, we want to you know, take this out. But I was partnered with somebody at the time. I had a manager at the time that they didn't connect with. So it kind of went away. And my wife, we were just talking about this. Like, this should be on TV. Like, it's such a clean, simple, fun idea. Well, it should be on YouTube. It should be. Yeah. Like that, I, that was my initial show. plan. My initial plan was to put it on YouTube. Why don't you put it on YouTube now? Um, I don't know. I just, 
And Does then, somebody else own it? No, me. It? It's all oh, me. It's all me. YouTube. All my IP. And uh, all right, I put on YouTube. Will you? Uh, will you like? Support it or tag Fuck it or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, I don't know yeah, how that yeah, stuff yeah. works. I'll man. Do all that shit. <laughs> you yeah. like you like a genius back there. Like, why is he? You understand, man? I'm so afraid yeah. of. Uh, I'm not afraid of no. I just got to get the first gut punch and then I'll keep going. You understand what, what do I'm you saying? Mean? Like something weird happened, man. My younger self. Everything people are doing on Instagram, I did when I was 18, 19, 20, right. 20, 20, 20. Then you get a little bit older, you're like, I don't wanna, what's this tape? What's going on? But when I, when I, when That's this how idea. I feel about TikTok. Yes. So, so you go. So when this <laughs> idea came to me, I thought, I can't think of the, I think his name is Chase Jarvis. I was looking at Chase Jarvis. I, I never heard of this guy, but I used to watch his, his interviews and he was always sponsored by, you know, something very cool. He's a photographer. And uh, he had his own show. We shot it like in, in his home, and he would only average like fifty thousand views. I'm like, how is this guy doing this? But I thought notebooks could be something like that that would speak to comedy fans. But my whole intention was to, because I felt like stand up was being like homogenized, like mm. because when you would just do some of these shows, the set was built and you would just stand there and perform. But it was no way of an audience member to go, I want to follow this guy i want to come right. see see this woman or this guy live mm -hmm. so i thought notebooks the show we're talking about is called notebooks and it's basically every comic the one thing comics never throw away is their old notebooks so i would sit i sat down with joe i sat down with some other comics Neil i couldn't Brennan. believe i found those wasn't it fun man and you start oh, going through God. it and you i was what you gotta see it you watch joe go back to where he was when he was like performing it i could see it on your face I can see you like remember like where you wrote this stuff, where you came up with it. And it's just, I don't know, it just shows that this isn't like we make it look easy, but it's like it shows the journey. It's also like a way of like appreciating, like, because sometimes we're hard on ourselves. It's like, damn, man, I, you know what I mean? Like, and there's funny stories where you're like, I thought this bit was going to make me. <laughs> this was going to shut it down. This was my bring the pain, you know? Right. And then this we had a, bring Right, the right, right. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and, and because, because right. I can listen to a comedian and tell how long they've been doing it, mm -hmm. you know? And I wanted to, I got to this place where I don't believe anybody sucks i just believe they haven't found it yet mm -hmm. and i'm i'm interested in let like, me tell you something there's some people that suck <laughs> don't get confused don't get confused uh, you, you know, can't I'm in grow in plants in the sand <laughs> you just did yoga today John. yeah it doesn't matter there's there's a reality of there's a reality yeah there's a reality yeah but i mean but, but, but we became we got into this space where now you're people post everything online so you're watching them like i have videos of me in san antonio texas in 1996 not great right. but it's on a vhs tape in my basement you know what i mean people are watching you grow right people are watching, yeah but now that would that would be on youtube and yep. people would be like so when i did hit some people would be like man i can't stand owen from something that they saw <laughs> you know what i mean it was like i was figuring yeah. it out man of i course. didn't know i thought yeah. fart jokes were funny and uh i did them you know but you can't worry about that though yeah yeah that's that's you just got to worry about what you're doing right now yeah so i'm you gonna can put never out. worry about what you did all right i'm gonna put it on notebook i'm putting notebooks out yeah on definitely. youtube and um do we found i found some shit from 1991 right it was that was crazy fantastic so all right so I'm gonna put terrible that out. the writing was so bad it was great but that's <laughs> what was great about <laughs> so it. Great. And you were embarrassed 
first when you were reading it. It was fantastic. <laughs> but it just, I hadn't read it. I, it's not, I knew I had it, so right. I grabbed it and I brought it to you. Yeah. But I hadn't looked at it before you and I were sitting there. That's, I mean, the, I, that's the point. Yeah. So when I was going through it, I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. Yeah. The thinking about like my 23 year old self writing yes. jokes. It's the best. And sometimes you find a gem mm-hmm. where you go, damn. That might be good. Yep. Yeah. You know, there's some bitch you bailed on where, mm-hmm. like, you're so, you're like, you're you're it now. So, you know, I know how to make this work. Right. You can have a, you know, we had some people, you know, connect with that. And what I love about it is, is comics aren't burning material. Right. So, I feel like everyone uh, can can do the show. Uh, I mean, I prefer to have somebody that's, you know, gotten their 10,000 hours in. Yes. Uh, and so, we can have, like you know those, those stories and it's just an interesting way in mm-hmm. I, I loved it I loved it so much but my my initial my point is I was like I'm, I want to do this for YouTube but then I was like man maybe it's a maybe there's a, a televised play for this and, mm. we, and three years later yeah I nothing. think nothing is worth bringing to TV anymore yeah it's just not worth it anymore yeah. just to you you're gonna deal with too many people you don't need to deal with them. Yeah. They're not going to have good things to say. Half the people, and this is generous, mm-hmm. half the people that you deal with are, that are executives really don't give a fuck about anything other than their mortgage or their car <laughs> or their career <laughs> or getting respect or right. office politics. or they, they might be working at Comedy Central. They could easily be working at the History Channel <sighs> or easily working at some other fucking network. And here They're I just am, TV right, network here people. Here I am trying to create a platform for some of my friends who I, like, I, I feel like, why don't you have a following you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah yeah and i'm like if people just saw your work ethic like how you write your jokes people would be like mm-hmm. i like you know yeah. i like you now i understand what this is yeah and um i felt that that's what was missing from all these specials where people just yep. stand in a spot and they and it's everybody has the same background they just changed the mm-hmm. name no you know no shade on that but it's like very few people were popping off that and so much so people thought i had one of those like did i tell you did i ever tell you my uh my my Comedy Central story? No. Um, so, okay. <laughs> so, I'm going to name check some people on here, but I literally, I, I but I'm not doing it for, uh, it's all good. Like, I learned a lot from this experience. So, George Carlin was performing at Hermosa Beach Comedy and Magic Club. I go down and watch George Carlin perform. This was this would be his last special. At the time, uh, Kimber Rickenball, who did was Rick Mill Productions, she comes over to me and she goes, "Why don't we have a half hour on you?" And I go, "I don't know." She gives me her card and she says, "Give me twenty one minutes and uh, we'll, we'll we'll you know we'll make it happen." Or, or, or she alluded to that it would happen. And so I'm standing next to the guy who books uh, Hermosa Beach. And I go, yo, can I get 21 minutes? He's like, no, I can't. I could just give you seven, eight minutes. So, I, so I'd have had to do like three, seven minutes and pieces together. I went to the improv. Can I get 21 minutes? I went to the Laugh Factor. Can I get 21 minutes? I got, I got this card. No one would give me 21 minutes. And so I had to go out of town. I think I went to Chicago somewhere, taped it, got it back. At the time, I'm writing on Everybody Hates Chris. Um, um, uh, uh, Dave Becky and Michael Rotenberg met, were managed Chris Rock at the time, and they would and they were also producers on the show. So they would come down once a month and sit in the Video Village and just you know. You know. And so I was politicking. I go, man, if I can get Dave Becky to contact Kimber Rickenball, maybe I can get with Three Arts because I had no manager and Three right. Arts, sexy you know management uh, name. And so. Uh, 
Ali Leroy, the showrunner, was also managed by Three Yards. So he was kind enough. To, he was just like he just did like this to Dave. Yo, man, listen to this motherfucker, and then just kept like <laughs> shooting. <laughs> so I was like, uh, Dave, Mr. Becky, uh, what's up, man? Uh, uh, came a Rick and Ball gave me the card, said if I can give her twenty one minutes, you know, it's, it's probable I'll get a half hour special. I was wondering if I could do that through you, and uh, he goes, say no more. I rep Kimber Rick and Ball. Done. Wow. So uh, at that time, I was I booked a lot of colleges. So I'm I am on cloud nine. I go, yo, I'm about to get a half hour special. Woo! Uh, I had a I did a I had a gig for a college that night. So I catch the red eye to Iowa, right? Ames, Iowa. I'm performing in Ames, Iowa. Yikes. Get to the hotel room the next morning. Phone call on my cell phone. It's Dave Becky. I'm corny. I go, yep, this, this could be the start of us doing this a lot. You know, I'm all stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he, he just cut that shit off. Yeah, Owen, uh, talk to Kimber and uh, she says she never heard of you. This is it. And I was like, what? I thought, I was like, you hazing me, right? nope sorry man good luck man all right talk to you boop hung up and i was like what and it never dawned to me to call kimber (laughs) and be like hey like i was so floored by that oh no yeah it was like a gut punch and then check this out i show up at the college i i didn't have a college gig the the contract wasn't finalized so i flew to iowa for nothing Lost money, rent a car, hotel, da da da. I had to drag my dumb tail back to LA. No special on the right. And again, I you didn't never even contacted her. I didn't even know like, and that, and that and that's why I said I could say her name because I never did that part right. So like, maybe I could have called him and hey da da da. She'd be like, oh my god, so sorry. I didn't even think that. I went into, I was having like a pity party on the set of Everybody Hates Chris. Ernest Thomas tells me, man, don't wait on Hollywood to give you permission to be great. And that's why I shot my first special. I took all my college money, shot, did all that, and instead of just calling this woman and like, hey, uh, something weird. And so that's how I ended up like shooting the, the first special anonymous. That is so crazy. Isn't that crazy? That she said she didn't even said, know never, you. I never heard of him. But meanwhile, you had her card. Had it and didn't use it. That's why it's like, it's, oh. not, it's not, I don't feel like it's shade on her. It's like, I'm, I'm talking about. And and if it's any comments, this and like, yo, call them. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just. Sometimes it's part of that world of not yeah. being all in and stand up and being yeah. in that writing world. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I did. That's Ian, too. Yeah. Ian Edwards, I've been say, saying the same shit to him forever. Yeah, I'm like, you gotta real. stop taking those jobs, man. You're too good. You're too yeah. good. Yeah, man. Yeah. And Ian Edwards and I, we started out together, man. I've known oh, wow. Ian for 20, 27, 28 years. I've known him forever. Wow. Dude, forever. Ian and I used to do Boston comedy in New York City in the village. Yeah, yeah. I remember Back Dreadlock in Ian. the day. Dreadlock yeah, Ian. Known, I, yeah, I remember. I'd seen him on Def Jam. Just when he, he used vegan. to yell. Yeah, before he went vegan, he used to yell. He calmed down when yeah. he went vegan. AT&T. <laughs> <laughs> Angry Ian. Yeah. Angry Ian. Bump, what's up? Bump clock. Bump. Yeah. yeah. He, and um, I remember I saw him, and he was the coolest to me. I, I was like, yo, man, you, you're a comedian. I'm a comedian. He was like. What you doing now? Nothing. Come, come with me. And he took me to like a general meeting that he had, and then yeah. we and then we went to two sets. And I never forget. I never forget. He we performed. He performed in like a white room. It was crushing. And I said to him, "Hey man, that was amazing. Hey, that was great." He goes, "I didn't trust him." 
laughing way too. I don't trust that. And I was like, <laughs> like I never, yo, I never heard that before. I never heard that. But I was like, what? <laughs> that was a go. Did it trust them? That's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, but he was so kind to me that it's like just showing that generosity in a space where he didn't have to. Yeah. Like you have people like, man, get away from all right, man. All right, He's dude. a classic human. Class, yeah. I love nice him. Yeah. I love that dude to death. I always take pictures of him every time he falls asleep because he's, you know, he's vegan. So he's tired. No. So we get on a plane <laughs> together and I don't mean this uh, vegans out there that are eating well. Right. He does not. He just eats vegan but that means like all it is is a piece of bread. He'll eat a piece of bread. He'll eat some rice. He's not, he doesn't get all his nutrients. He just doesn't. Right. You know, he doesn't exercise either but whenever we're on a plane that motherfucker passes out so i take all these pictures of him every time we go on the road together <laughs> we sit next together to me every time he passes out we're like we're on the runway this dude is nodded out <laughs> always but then he got me Ooh. he got me recently he got me he caught it's just giant smile i've never seen him smile that well do you see the video of it there's a video of it on instagram he he got me and he's just got this huge smile and i'm out cold and he's sitting next to me. And now every time I fly with him, I'm scared of blacking out. I'm scared of falling asleep. He's going to get a video of get me. You. That's hilarious. <laughs> I woke up. Like, he was asleep. I woke up next to me, and, and he was asleep, and I was asleep. And I wonder if he filmed me while I was asleep before he went to sleep. <laughs> That's the funnest shit it's when like it's like that. It's like spy versus spy shit. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Joe. Yeah. But Hello, dude, Ian. the video of him hovering over me while I'm out cold is wonderful. Oh, I got to see it. I never laughed so hard. That's so funny. I, I landed and uh, I, I checked my Instagram and I saw that and I just started fucking howling crying. Man. It's well, so funny. That's so funny. I wish you could we one time I was giving him like smoothie recipes because he was like asking about that stuff and uh, Ian is like incredibly frugal. It's it's so funny. You know? And I was like, all right, so what you want to do is you want to, you know, you take strawberry banana, you can take a protein, you can take, you know, da 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 you want some green stuff. To, he goes, or I could just eat a banana. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but that's kind of like defeating the purpose. You want to, you know, this movie. Uh, yeah, and so he, I, he, I think he's doing smoothies and stuff now. But back then, I just remember, I, I was like, what? huh? Like, I just gave you this whole recipe. I could just eat a banana and it's cheaper. You know, that was his cheaper? whole thing. Cheaper, that's what it is? I think that was, his, I don't know, but I was he just like. He needs protein powder in his he's life. He's so funny, man. And so, yeah. So I I, well, I I grew up in 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 Prince George's County, Maryland, right? And a lot of comedians come from there. Um, Chappelle, I have a Chappelle, I have a great Chappelle story because we're the same age. So when I was nineteen and I just started Greenbelt Comedy Connection, what I loved about Chappelle, I'm, I'm bringing this up because it's Mark Twain uh, Awards. He gave a shout out to a guy named Tony Tony Woods. Woods. So Tony Woods is also from the D.C. area. And so at 19, I'm in this comedy club, Greenbelt Comedy. It's a black room. Chappelle is on stage and he's getting booed. And his dismount of getting booed is something I've never seen before in my life. It was fantastic. He's like, fuck y'all. I'm going to be famous. <laughs> I'm going to be famous. Like he just kept saying that and then just walked off. And when he walked off, I was like, I was like, oh my God, they booed him. Like in my head, I'm like, if they booed him, I don't stand a chance in comedy because like what just happened but when he walked by, nobody wanted to touch him because he had that, 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 that bomb on him. So even I, I was like, yeah, damn, hey, hey, man. And he, and he, <laughs> he, 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 he 
<laughs> yeah, so that true. sweet bomb on. That bomb. Yes. Ugh. And he sits down in in the in the booth right here, and I, I just can't stop looking at him because I'm watching. You know how they say the stages of grief? Like I'm watching the stages of. I'm, and I keep thinking, why doesn't he leave? And he's sitting there, and Tony Woods goes on stage next. And Tony Woods is like, wow, man, God damn. Like, just kind of a similar cadence. And Tony just destroys, got a standing ovation. Like, night and day. And I'm just 19, just new, like, absorbing this. And I mm. go, what the fuck just happened? Tony walks off stage. As a comic, I'm just kind of, like, eavesdropping. Like, I think I'm 5'7", but I'm fucking 6'5", but I'm just trying to, like, Look at what they're going to do next. And they get up together and they walk out. I kind of just follow them out thinking, I don't know what's going to happen. They're like, hey, kid, want to hang with us? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they get in the same car. And and it's like, I think it was a hatchback. I'm not sure. And Tony drives off. I'm like, whoa, they came together. And I, that's, that was all I knew of, mm. that, of that relationship. And so, and, I, and I, I knew that Tony had been doing it a lot longer. And I knew that Dave... It's kind of like how when Kobe came into the league and was talking like Mike, and then Kobe f- leaned into who Kobe was. Became who he is. Yes. Yeah. Speak, you know, I speak Italian. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking Italian. I speak like this. These are the things that are important to me. And so you watched Dave do that separate from Tony. But what I love about what Dave did, and this is why he's great, is he had he recognized Tony in his greatest like comedic moment like it's the most honest thing you can do you know what i mean right. like most people would be like i did this all me but he was like you, and, and what he said about tony could not have been truer you know what i mean and so it just like touched my heart because i was i was there at the epicenter when right. i was watching dave figure it out and it, it was probably like and it, and, it, and it was like and, and the material he was doing it just didn't connect with it was a blue collar um black crowd and he, i think he was doing like the superhero stuff like man uh you know Wonder Woman's magic lasso. I don't hear that magic lasso shit. Like it was just, <laughs> it was just that. It wasn't like it wasn't funny. Because to me, I'm a 19 year old. I thought the shit was hilarious. So that's the other thing. I felt like, am I wrong? Like I'm laughing, and you hear boo, boo. Like I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was like, I can't help you, Dave. Like that's <laughs> just. And he, uh, and he, and he, and he came down. And I, and then like a couple, couple. I feel like six months later, I saw him on HBO or something. Like it's like. So I was like, damn. He didn't let it stop him. And so I learned like all these lessons just sitting in the back of a comedy club. Donnell Rollins, who uh, might come in and interrupt us. No, <laughs> he uh, he uh, he too was is from that area. And oh, uh, wow. yeah, man. And I remember and Donnell, like you know, you know how people talk about comedy. When he was on stage, um, people were saying he spoke Korean. He did. I was like, God damn, who is this dude? And he was the first comic I ever saw command an audience. And I thought the audience. Because I was, again, 19. Like, I had done comedy more than five times. And I hear the audience go, do the Aspen bit. And he would do his bit about Aspen. That would be hilarious. Do, do the bike bit. And he would do this bit about not getting your bike. And I thought, I thought this motherfucker had, like, like the audience had, like, requests. You know what I mean? Right. I, was like, I was like, how great is this dude? Like, they know his work and they're requesting it. But years later, I didn't know that those were, like, comics and, like, Maybe oh. I mean, it might have been comics or it might have been his. But he he always had like he was just so amazing. So I I had all these references early on as like where you can take the art form, you know, and how fearless it mm-hmm. was. And then I went out to South Bend uh, where I, it was just completely 
different. Like I was in college, you know, and but I but I had all this like these mental downloads of like uh, of just how these different styles that hadn't really touched like the Midwest comedy scene. It's so funny when you're starting out too, because you're trying to figure out like what style is gonna work. Yeah, do I change? Do I shift? Yeah. Like, who am I? Went I went through all of that. Well, everybody all does. That. Yeah. You have to. And that's, that's again, that's bringing it back to what Notebooks is. Like, I want to know what your what your particular thing was. Like, yeah. I know what mine was, but all of ours is different. Yeah. But, but we all play the same. It's like we play the same sport, but we all play it different ways. And I, lo- I love that shit. Like. <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it's ironic that you bought that that show up because I was like, should I bring that up? Again? Yeah, you should bring it up. Yeah, I was so honored that you said you would do it too. Oh, I was happy when I saw to do those notebooks, I was like, oh shit, that's hilarious. <laughs> you had the legal pad action. That's so old yeah. too. It's just amazing that I kept them. Uh, well, yeah, we do. You can stacks of them. Yes, and I'm sure there were certain several times when you were urged to throw them away and you're like yeah my them. wife was trying to throw them away yeah. I go nope yep that's what gave me the idea my and wife then, was trying to toss mine uh, I go no what are you talking no about no fucking way those <laughs> right. are going to be worth something someday yeah. and also when I was going through them I was always thinking like maybe one day I'll find a gem maybe yes. there's a gem in here just a premise yes. just a weird premise it's in there yeah. but it's so, it's so hard to get that discipline like to g- literally go through it mm-hmm you know what I mean? How do you write? Do you sit in front of a computer and write? Do you write in front of a That's notebook? A great question. Um, or do you have good ideas and you just good ideas? So what I do, you know what I started doing, and I'm, I'm gonna do a podcast too. It's gonna be called In Context with Owen Smith because what I started doing is I started reading a newspaper more. And if it, whenever I read the newspaper, my brain fucking explodes with a whole bunch of just ideas. Newspaper. Yeah, a why, fucking why newspaper. newspaper. I like I like the hold, physical. I like holding mm-hmm. it. But now, I, but now I just I'm getting myself to doing the online stuff just because it's it's just more practical. Because every time I go to get the paper, like it's not. It, it won't. I always feel so funny when I'm holding a newspaper now. Like, what is I this? Know. What are you, Captain America? Were <laughs> 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 right? you frozen in the fifties? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's. But I, I I like because you can see the words and you can see like it, they use specific word choice and my brain just starts going, damn, that's what. But. My act isn't that, right? My act is more personal, but just Chris Rock told me something a long time ago. He said, I don't suffer from um what is it when you when you can't think of anything? Um writer's block? Yeah, I don't suffer from writer's block. I suffer from reader's block. Uh. I was like, "Oh shit." And he read he and and Dio Hughley told me a long time ago if you read the newspaper every day, that's equivalent to having a master's, you know? And I'm um, like, no, it's not. Uh, well, that's GED logic, man. He, <laughs> no, but, you, I, but I was like, but I was like, yo. Papers. <laughs> you, have to, you have to like do serious research. Listen, take when exams. he said it to me, that, I was like, that's hilarious. Okay. You know, but that's, I didn't know he had his GED. I, I, <laughs> yeah, no shade on D, but I was like, like that stayed with me, so I was like, so I would always try to like read a whole newspaper. It depends I remember, on what paper too. The New York Post. You got to go back. You got to go back. <laughs> you got. That's a. You got to slide back to fifth grade. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's hilarious. That newspaper is hilarious. hilarious. I love the New York Post. My goodness. Every time I read it, they're just shitting on people. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's like it's not a tabloid, but it is. It is, love, but it's it, really the news. It's the news. But, it's, but they talk shit, and it's funny. It's funny. It's not New York Post. I grab that every time I'm back in New it's York. It's funny shit, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, so I, I've always tried to, but you know, it's just, like shit to come to me in my sleep. 
conversations. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's about finding what is the right. I don't feel like there's. I feel like where's the best place for this joke to live? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Is this a stand-up joke? Could I get more traction out of this if it's a sketch? You know what I mean? Um, and then if it is a sketch, how can I still make it sing as a stand-up joke? You mm. know. Um, and what's fun for me is if I do something and I revisit it and I can do it like a lot cleaner and clearer and it starts, then I get excited because then I can play. Because that's the other thing. Sometimes when you write, you forget to play. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, I think I saw Bill Maher or somebody like that performing. He, 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 um, you know, he kind of just stands there. And so I saw him come off stage one time and he was like, man, that fucking audience, you know, sucked. And, uh, <laughs> And and I, and I was thinking in my head, like I, I wouldn't say it to him, but I was like, man, you just forgot to play. Like you, for, right. your, your, all your shit was fire, but it was you're if, not having fun. Yeah, sometimes you know. And so when I watch a show, when I can see he's playing, it's like, ah, uh, yeah. It's, it's, and so you forget that. You sometimes. forget. You forget that. I mean, shit, he's up to deadlines. He's got to do all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But when I saw him live that day, I go, ah, uh, like he was he was trying to figure it out still, so he didn't have the little the the. the and so it's all those little things, and so sometimes. I could be too hard on myself trying to get it like technically, technically right. And when I just f- remember to play, this shit is so fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's about creating moments and you forget all of that. But for me, I'm always trying to, I'm always, I don't know, man. Like I'll hear shit. I'll see shit. I'm like, what is that? Like, like, so like so right now it's Black History Mom. All this stuff about Martin Luther King. But my head went to, yo, this dude, the FBI uh, bugged. Like, they listened to all of his stuff. And so I'm now I'm thinking about the guys listening to MLK. Like, it couldn't all be civil rights. Like, they, I wonder if he turned any of them, you know? Like, <laughs> they listening. Like, it's got a good point. Right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, I kind of agree with this, though, you know? Yeah. Or, or they'd be like, huh, so that's how you make potato salad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like just listening to whatever... How many people do you think were assigned to listen to him? I'm fascinated with that. And, like, I wonder, like... That's a weird relationship. It's a weird relationship. And you're getting, like... You're getting a peek into the world of somebody you're told is this one thing. And what if you, you know, you hear something you just don't agree? Like, I'm fascinated with stuff like that. So I try to, like, figure out if if you can make that funny. Sure. And Uh, that's where great bits come from. And they come from that uncertainty. Like, okay, where is it? Where I know there's it? something in that. Yeah. There is something in some FBI, some square FBI dude yep. Yep. listening that, to Martin Luther King. Yeah. He's like, oh, injustice anyway. Yeah, there's a there's yeah. like there's a thing that he could say. Yeah. That yep. would turn him. Yeah. So I'm I play with stuff like that. So sometimes one of the one of my favorite comedians, um I have a whole bunch, but Comedians that always get to me are people that, well, I go, I didn't know comedy could do that. So I remember when I heard Dick Gregory on. It's an album called Dick Gregory on. Mm. And he was the first black millionaire to do stand-up. And he has a great book. He has a book called Nigger. But his best book, I wouldn't say best, but my favorite book of his is called The Shadow That Scares Me. And it's really him, like, giving solutions to all of these, like, problems that that are you know that were in the narrative at that time about black folks and i just was i was amazed at his writing and i was blown away by his stand up some of the social commentary he would make right and i was like oh man i want to do some of that so i i I used to that was back in my 
30s when I was trying to solve the race problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, I ain't fucking with that no more. Like, that's out my system. Like, uh, but I used to, because I was still in the orbit of the bring the pain. Like, oh, I got to have my. And I, <laughs> right. And it just, I was like, it's not really changing the world, man. It's yeah, I'm making some points. But I kind of like backed away because I used to do this bit about um, being at a rap concert, Busta Rhymes, and it's all white folks, and I'm there, and he goes, all my real niggas make some noise. And everybody made noise, and I'm just like, <laughs> me and like the two other black people, black eyes, like, yo. <laughs> <laughs> like, something, like, there's something hilarious in that too. Like, are you allowed to do that? Right, right. You can't right, say it, right. but but can you cheer? Right. <laughs> I was like, what? And so then I go, uh, maybe maybe they didn't hear him. But in hip hop, you say everything twice. So he said right. it again. Like I said, all my real niggas make some noise. <sighs> and so I was like, man, not only I was like, white people niggas now. <laughs> This is what I was saying. I was doing this shit like in Milwaukee, Appleton, Wisconsin. And I go, and not only can we call them, nigga, they paying $80 for the privilege to be called nigga. $80 a ticket. And then I would go, white folks, tonight I call you nigga for 10 $10, nigga sale, nigga clearance, cash only because I know how you niggas are, right? So proud of this bit. At the end of the show, I'm selling my dumb DVDs, you know, selling my merch. And, uh, Inevitably, a white person would always come up to me, give me $20, and call me Nick. Oh. They're like, that's not the bit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's not the bit. So, late 20s, early 30s, you, 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 know, you, you, know, you know, you're the angry comic. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? You know. And then, now that I'm a little older, I go, man, I'd be funny if I, because I kept the money. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, if that was my stick, like I didn't sell merch. <laughs> Look, y'all can call me whatever y'all want for $20. <laughs> <laughs> just be, just have a just line be, of people. Right? You be like this uh, billionaire and oh, you're doing hilarious. interviews. Like, well, I made my money by <laughs> and people walking by. Nigga, they throw you money. <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> Anywho. it's like, you do, uh, but uh, I, you know, but for me, just living in that space, man, I was just like, nah. After I tried it, and I was getting that kind of response, I just was well, like, a thing too where you, you, more. you when you're a comic, like you want to be respected, so you want to come up with a bit that like it transcends comedy. Yeah, you want it. You want everybody to go, wow, Owen's yeah. on some real shit. Yeah, you know, it's. I think uh, there's a danger in that, and that you can kind of trick yourself. You can. Like I had some dumb bits that I did that were like I was just trying to get people to think that I was really good, rather than it just being good. Yeah, being good, being just, from a real personal just, place. It's, it's so much of it. I had this conversation with Robert Downey Jr. about acting, yeah. and uh, something I said to him, and he said exactly. I said, "Isn't it a lot of it just about getting out of your own way?" Because that's what a lot of it is with comedy. I think it's with acting. I think it's probably with music. I think yeah. it's probably with everything. I think you so. got to get out of your own way because the way you look at yourself, the way you want people to look at you, it can you know, hold you back. It can uh, hold you back. It can you, hold you back. How many conversations have you ever had with a comic and, mm -hmm. and they, they talk about how they want like the respect of the industry? They want the people to look at them. These fucking people don't respect me. And it's like, God damn, do you hear yourself? Yeah. You're wasting all this mental fuel. On yeah. this nonsense. My mother-in-law has the best saying. My wife says it all the time. She goes, <clears throat> if you worry about yourself, you have a busy, busy time. If you worry about you, you have a busy, busy time. And you go, because when you hear people going off, I want them, they don't see them. Mm -hmm. Hey, man, just 
Worry about you. All the shit you have to do, you yeah. focus on that. You'll be busy enough. And nothing could be, you know, truer than that when I hear, you know, comics do that. I, you know. Comics come up with a lot of excuses. So for many. why things aren't going <sighs> on. My favorite one. Yes. This is my favorite yours, one. They don't want white men. They don't want white straight men. I'm like, what in the fuck are you I've even heard, talking that. about? I've heard that. And they've said that to me. That is so fucking crazy. I'm like, okay, man. It's literally 90% of all comedians. They I have they're, one guy. they're not trying. To, here's one thing that is true. Yeah. There are certain networks and certain that are trying to get people that are not white, white. men. That's true. However, yeah. there's still a fucking shitload that are getting specials. Yes. Yes. The idea that that's somehow an and impediment. And really pushing the the... You know, it just lacks so much self awareness to say that there's a problem being a white man. It's, it's you understand it's, when they say it to me, you understand. I'd be like, what do I do with this? Like, so it's so not self aware. What? No, one guy came to me one time at the comedy store and he was complaining about not being able to get on staff. And um, as a paid regular. Yeah, but he wanted to be like a staff, staff writer? as a writer. Yeah, as a oh, writer. Okay. And but I and I, it came out that he's he sold shows and he. So I go. So you have a quote, and I go. You mind me? Tell me what's your, what's your quote? And he tell me. He told me his quote. I go. Do you know what a staff writer makes? I go. You're not getting hired because you have a quote, and, and you know what I mean. Like no one's yeah. ever worked with you in the room. People need to know. Explain what that means for people to okay. understand what that means. Oh, so, so, um, when you. So everything, when you sell a television show, they give you a a contract of terms in case the television show goes. And they agree to pay you an amount per episode of the show, of the show that you sold, whether it's a variety TV show, whether it's unscripted, whatever. All those terms are agreed um, in advance. And that is what's called your quote. And that quote is specific to... <clears throat> the studio you you did the deal with because but that quote can travel to another studio so if you go someplace else they may give you the um bare minimum offer and you can go i i, I have a quote right if you are a staff writer and so and typically uh, that, that quote is 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 a, is a decent amount right per episode so but typically if you're a staff writer i think you get paid I'm going to say it's less than $6,000 a week is how they the math would work out. And so you have this thing where um, you have this quote that's probably $30,000 um, an episode. I don't know what that would track a week because they amortize it over however long you're, you're slated to work. And as a staff writer, you're getting paid like this amount. So no showrunner in their right mind is going to just ask you to take a pay cut. From, right. your, from your quote, the, your people won't allow them to do that. And no showrunner is going to hire you at that high quote if you've never been in a room before. Like, I'm not going to pay you $30,000 an episode to learn. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was like, so yeah. it's a lot of math missed in your, in this, this complaint, complaint that you have built for yourself, yeah. which is fine. I just don't want to hear it because I know the math. So it's yeah. like, I hope I did a good job. No, that makes that. sense. But it's like it's like, yeah, man, you succeeded at selling several shows, so that's like the lane you're in. Unless you come in and go, listen, I'll take a pay cut. I want to learn. I right. need to get 
if, if that's really what you want to do. Right. And when, I, when I told him that, it it was like, I don't know, you ever tell somebody like a different solution and the face they make is, I wish, you know how you can take pictures of Ian's sleep? I wish I could have pictures <laughs> of like that face. Like, like when the, a light bulb goes yeah, off? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's what's wrong. But the difference is, I think between successful people and people who are moderately successful is they're open to that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you just told me put notebooks on, on YouTube. Guess where it's going to be? It's going to be on fucking YouTube. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Like, um, I'm not going to be like, I don't know. You know, it, you, you actually connected what I've been thinking like the whole time. It's almost like you just gave me that extra like incentive to, yeah, man, I'm yeah. doing this now. So I checked in with him. No, he didn't, you know, didn't do, do the thing. And, and so I almost think like he, he needs to feel that he's being, you know, Silly. Yeah, yeah, stacked against so it fuels his. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, I go, okay. If that's yeah, your, if that's your, feel like he's being maligned. Yeah, yeah. If that's your thing. You know. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's that fucking Hollywood world of. It's, it's incredible. It's a gross world, man. Dude, the fact that you live here and figured out how to succeed outside of it is. Kind of diabolical. It's diabolical <laughs> it's in a lot of ways. Diabolical. I'm kind of in it, but I'm kind of not. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I mean, do I'm you still go to meetings, or no. do you do you say <laughs> no, 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 no? Do no, people no. come here? What's no, there's no meetings. There's oh no meetings. Gosh. I say no to everything. I say no to every interview. I say no to every meeting. I say no to everything. I'm but not he said interested. yes to notebooks. He did notebooks. Yeah, but I said yes to that. Anything my friends do. That's but so I, funny. I'm not interested. I don't want any meetings. Did I don't have, want to do anything more than what I'm already doing. Did you have this vision? Oh, no. that's what I want to ask you because I just had an audition today, and I want to ask you: Did you ever go for auditions? Yes. Did you, did it become a thing that you set out to be great at? Or was it always something that you just were like, I'm going to see what, where this takes me? Like, I'll give you the craziest story about auditions ever uh-huh. as, as far as success stories. I auditioned for two shows ever. I got both of them. The only <laughs> two shows I ever auditioned for. I auditioned for a show called Hardball that was on Fox. It was okay. a terrible baseball show. I got that. <laughs> Started off really good, but the network fucked it up. And then I auditioned for News Radio, and I got that. So two shows in a row. So did, then, did you hold on, walk me through it though? Did you yeah. did you have to go do the first audition, call back, test, and yep, all of that? All that. Yeah. Okay. Do you yeah. remember who else was? Uh, no, but I remember or? News Radio. I remember uh, see News Radio. I was twenty six, uh-huh. so that was only like four years from when I was fighting. Right. So I had a different feeling of fear and anxiety than a lot of people did. And I was in the the waiting room. I didn't the there was an open call. And the open call it wasn't an open call, but it was like a cattle call. There was like fifty fucking dudes waiting to get in there and you would read, but it was interesting, it wasn't funny. I was like, what is this? But they did it on purpose. They wanted to cut out all the corn balls. So they gave you lines and you had to play it straight. Mm. Like the, the play, it was like me trying to figure. I was a handyman at this radio station, so I had, to pl- I had to figure something out. And I was like, I don't know what's going on with it. And they're like, But you're supposed to fix it, but yeah, but I can't fix it, so I don't know what to do. Like that kind of thing. Like there was no, there was no punchline. And I told my manager, I was like, I don't know. I go, the pilot was really funny because I saw the pilot, and there was uh. another guy on the pilot. Ray Romano was actually the original guy on the pilot, and they fired him. Ooh. Replaced him with another guy, and then they fired that guy, and then they had a call to see who the next guy would be, and then oh, I went in to read for it, <clears throat> and then the first like the first script was not, it was just straight. It was weird. So I said, I don't know what to do with it. I said, I'm just going to do it straight. And so then uh, I got a call back, and then I got new sides, and the new sides were hilarious. 
And I, and then I realized like, oh, they're trying to cut out the corn balls. Yeah. They got a bunch of wacky, you know, fucking real yeah. obvious sitcom guys. So I went in for the second call. And it was me and three other dudes, and they looked like they were about to get shipped off to Vietnam. They were white, pale, sweaty. Everyone was nervous. <laughs> and I just, I remember, looked at them and go, oh, I got this. And I sat down, and I plopped my feet up on the couch, and I just, I just kicked back and relaxed. I relaxed. I felt good. Nice. I was like, well, how nervous you fucks are. Yes. Are you guys going to go in there and choke? Yes. So I just went in there and did it. And, but the, also the thing for me is I never wanted to be an actor. I just did it for the money. Yeah. Like when, when I got an audition for Hardball, it was because Disney gave me a bunch of money for a development deal because I did stand-up on MTV. So I did the MTV half-hour comedy hour, uh -huh. and then MTV, they, they offered me the most ridiculous deal ever. It was like 500 bucks to do a pilot, and then if, if, if they decide to do it, even if they decide to shoot it and never film it, they have you locked up exclusively for two years. <sighs> It was so ridiculous. It was because they had made celebrities with like Dennis Leary. Like Dennis Leary had become famous from MTV and then he left. So they're like, you know, we're going to keep people here now. You know, we're going to, if we make someone a, a star, we're going to keep them. And so they, they, they offered the most ridiculously low ball deal of all time. So I said no to that. We said no to that. And then uh, my manager sent my tape out and said, hey, this guy is ab about to sign this deal with, you know, someone. You know, if you guys are interested, do it now. I think he said, might have said MTV. So then we got all these offers. And so I don't know. I couldn't answer my phone. They told me, don't answer my phone. Just go to the pool hall. Stop, stop answering your phone. Because people were calling me at home. And uh, this, is, <laughs> this is back in the day. I didn't have a cell phone. Yeah. So then uh, two weeks later, I'm in Hollywood having meetings. And then uh, a month later, oh, you were in Boston. Yeah, I was in New York. Oh, okay. And then a month later, I'm uh, living there. A month later, great. I'm out in in Hollywood with Jim Brewer. Ah. Jim Brewer was on the show with me in the pilot. He was uh, the opposing mascot. He was hilarious. <laughs> so me and Jim were buddies from back in the day. So we're all hanging out. And then uh, you know that show got picked up. I did like six episodes of that show. It got canceled. <laughs> I'm just hanging out at the store every night, and then I'm ready to go back home to New York, but I had already signed a lease. So I had this fucking apartment for a year, and I couldn't get out of yeah. it. So I'm like, God damn. And then I got a development deal with, M with NBC based on the hardball show. And so they said, hey, before uh, we talk to you about doing your own show, we'd like you to look at this pilot and see if you'd be interested in it. And it's Dave Foley and Phil Hartman and Andy Dick. And I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, Really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in this. And then I came in and read for it. And next thing you know, I had it. Next That's thing you know, great. I'm on TV. Like, I've been doing acting for like a couple of months. And I'm sitting at a table next to Phil Hartman. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, this is fucking crazy. And yeah. all these different people in, that were on the show. It was fascinating, man. It's fascinating because it's not something I ever wanted. Yeah. I was not interested in it at all. But all of a sudden, it was happening. I was like, huh. But that's part of probably why I was able to do it. Because it wasn't like this dream that was yeah. paralyzing me with anticipation and anxiety. When I walked in that second audition, I saw those dudes sweating. I was like, look at you nervous fucks. It brought me back to fighting because fighting, I used to, I used to love seeing how nervous people were before fights. And I would take naps. I would lay down on the ground like in the, in the bleachers because just to let everybody know, I'm just going to go sleep. <laughs>
Like you guys are all nervous. I'm just gonna take a nap. Because uh, it, it, it was you're playing psychological games. Like when I would knock guys out, I'd walk away like it was normal. Like even though I was freaked out, like whoa, that dude's unconscious. I would just walk around like that's what I do, dude. I do that shit every day. I'm gonna do it to you too. Brilliant. And so when I was in that that room getting ready to go in and read, I had the same feeling. Like oh, you guys are nervous. Like, ah. Put your feet up. What an asshole. I was like this. Like, oh, I got this. <laughs> You're that guy. Well, also, I was the only comic. Yeah. Those guys weren't comics. Yeah. They weren't used to performing live and all that. That's a giant yeah. advantage. I love that. Like, when I would audition and, like, a really good-looking guy would walk in, I'd be like, well, he ain't funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's seriously, so I, I would have no fear. I'm yes. like, yeah, whatever. This a is chance. a comedy. Yeah. Good luck, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I have no fear. You know what I mean? It's too hard to be good looking and funny. It doesn't really work out very often. Come on, man. You ain't going to be funnier than me. Let's do it. The reason I did Fear Factor is because I didn't want to work with actors anymore. Amazing. When that came up, I was like, because I had had auditioned for like uh, one or two sitcoms that I didn't get after Fear Factor. But it was also was a thing where I was like, man, I need to make some money. Like, I'm not making as much money doing stand-up, and I was used to making TV money, and I had development deals, and they didn't go, and then I auditioned for a couple shows, and that didn't happen. And then, um, I guess it was like two years, because Fear Factor, yeah, 2000, 2001. Fear Factor was 2001, and News Radio ended in 99. And... um, it was a it's, it was an opportunity to do something with no actors. I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm in." Because even the audition process is even weirder. You're dealing with all these mind games that people are playing in the in the waiting room. It's like, ugh, you people yeah. are so strange. They're the strangest people because their life is centered around getting people to like them for auditions, right? So they're always they're always trying to pretend they're exactly what these casting people want in terms of their <laughs> their political beliefs, the way they. Talk talk the way they act uh, there's nothing weirder than being around unsuccessful actors ones that are trying to make it like once they're successful like if you're talking to like robert downey jr he's a regular dude man yeah he's a regular dude but he's he's famous as fuck and super successful you know and there's a lot of those guys like that yeah but, you know what i equate that to when i first moved out here um before before you get um on the lot right mm-hmm. and you're competing with everyone then that's when you hear people in Hollywood are shady, people are full yeah. of shit, you can't trust. Because we all were basically unemployed, you know, right. competing for the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, I'm going to meet you, I'm going to meet you. Hey, none of us got jobs. Like, we all talking. Right. But once I got my like my first gig, I met a different character of people. Well, all these people are nice. Oh, because they working, you know? <laughs> like, like, you know what I mean? Yes. And so it is something about, it is something about people who figured out you know how to make a living yeah. in this town that they have a you know a lot more you know integrity and a little more, more credible and and honest and you go man you're a real dude but yeah when you first get here and you're thrown in that line where everybody's just like struggling it took me back to like basketball AAU where like I I loved playing I wanted to be a globe trotter like I know how to do like all the tricks and all that stuff I love having fun and when you start getting when I started looking at colleges and getting recruited, I always oh, it's becoming a business. Mm. And I wasn't ready for that, you know. Mm. And uh I literally liked having fun like playing basketball. And I would be playing um at some tournaments with some kids and, and like I'm like, damn, yo, you got a kid? Oh shit. Like you playing for your family. You know what I mean? Like mm. and I'm up there like <laughs> 
just, just having a good time. Just having a good time. And it, it was serious for them. And so, yeah. you know, just like, so when I when I came out here, I fell into the commercial world. For I, I started booking commercials a lot. And I still... I still do if I go out. My wife was like, you should go back out for commercials again because I had that same mindset where, all right, man, but as a comic, I get it. I I get the joke. I know how to like, you know, nail it. Um, I've booked pilots, but then I like, because I write too, I could see like all the rewriting happening on set and I I could tell if it's going to go or not because they always, lately they've been trying to cuten everything up and I go, I get it. But in the twelfth hour, when you guys are deciding what, you know, the cute show's not gonna make it. So, I've what do you mean by cute and everything up? We're we're like, so I was before we walked in. I was like, did you watch Curb last um, last night? I did a funny thing about a handicap placard, right? And so, um, and it just spoke to everybody. Wants one of those things? It's, hey man, you got a handicap, you know? And and they did a montage of all the stitch you would do if you had a handicap placard. Um, that might that might be in the pilot at first, and you'd be you'd be howling. And then as you're shooting it, man, the handicap thing is coming off a little mean. What if we make it? Oh, I uh, see. You know what I mean? And then like they button it up to where it's not as gratifying because you're 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 laughing at the, just the primal nature of yeah, man. I would do the same shit. I'm rocking with this show. To then they cuteing it up, and they're worried about the repercussions. They yeah, take the, they take the edge the edge off it. Yeah. So then, so when you watch it back and you go we got this show and we got this show eh, I don't really know anybody in this show this guy's a known face they're both cute put the known face out you know mm. and but again I am literally armchair quarterbacking like it could yeah. be it could be a series of things like you know but it's rare that someone does it right that's what's interesting yeah. with new shows it's not like there's a lot of people that are doing it right and there's a lot of great new shows no what do you think the, is the next thing though I think, first of all, streaming services have changed the whole game. Things like Stranger Things. Yes. Things like you know, those kind of shows. Now there's a new show on HBO that I'm addicted to called The Outsider. Is that good? Fuck yeah. Yeah? It's fucking good. It's okay. fucking good. It's terrifying. I was, it's I, very good. It grabs me. like Because I, I watch Curb and I mm-hmm. see like the last two minutes. I'm like, what the fuck is like it's The good. last two minutes I see, I'm like, it's yo. Good. It's Jason Bateman. Jason so Bateman good, knows his man. shit because Ozark so is amazing. Yeah. Those kind of shows, they're so off the charts yeah. in terms of like what you could get away with on network television. Right. Network television is just so hampered. They're so confined. Yeah. They have shackles. They just can't do anything wild, anything anything outside the norm. Yeah. They can't take any chance. I mean this on spoiler alert, on the outsider, you see a dead kid like 30 oh. seconds into the first episode. Yeah, you can not do that. not just dead, but mauled. I mean, it's horrible. I mean, it's it's a it's a stunning visual, and if you can't handle that, it's only it's, you know it's not like something you see a lot right. throughout the whole show, but it's enough to fuck you up. But they'll let you know, like, hey, this is not CBS. Right. This is this is chaos. <laughs> like, this is as realistic a, a right. horror show yeah. as you're gonna get. It's interesting. When I watch, yeah, it's 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 it, it, like everything ha- everything is like a different palette, right? Yeah. Like if you. On if a network show is like clicking, I, I I can get how people would get you know fall in love with that the romance of that like oh this is good this is a good yeah. show, but the but the process the creative process coming from a, a stand up brain, you know I'm a stand up first. It's it is it's very collaborative, and it is like you say it's collaborative with a lot of people who, um, 
at certain stages. You're like, uh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. But but then you so I because I'm I'm just going through it. So I was trying to I'm being like very diplomatic, and I go, okay, well, what? Why why do you have this job? What do you do? <laughs> and it's also like. How do we talk to one another? Because I know what I'm thinking. Like, what is so? I'm using it as, and I think because I'm a, I'm a parent now, so I'm just like when I when my if you know, I'm in this space of just trying to figure out. Yeah. Because 26 year old me would be like, man, what the fuck are you talking about? You know, or or just been like, this is stupid. This, but I'm in this space right now where I'm like, well, okay, I know I don't like how you're talking to me right now. I don't even understand it. But I need to. I think I need to try to figure it out. Mm. And um, you know, it's it's, it's interesting. That's all yeah, working say. with people can be rewarding. Mm-hmm. You you definitely learn about communication. Yeah. The problem is, it's never as good as your stand up. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, yeah, that's real. You, the problem that's is, so you real. are already a great stand up. I know, and it's like I'm so, trying to create a yeah, life over here. That's that's that, but it's the attraction be. of the business. The business pulls you in. The business offers you money. Yeah, the business offers you security. That's true. They don't make money off your stand up in this town. No, no, so it's unless it's a fucking booking agency, they don't make shit off of it. Right. The business offers you this stability. You're gonna go to CBS Radford. You're gonna pull in every day. Hi. I'm Owen Smith. I'm, I'm working on the blah blah blah. You go in there. You got your parking spot. Woo! I did it, man. I did it for years and years and years. You know, I did it for five years on news radio. Yeah, it's attractive. But that's people what's love it. about you. you. You like you did it already. Yeah. So it's like I've so done many both things. Yeah. I've done well. I've done. I did two shows that went to syndication. Yeah. I did news radio that went to syndication, and then I did Fear Factor that did syndication, and. I get offers all the time to do stuff on TV. I don't want to have anything to do with it. What? How did you and Stephen A? What? What? How, like, I meant to ask you that. Both it, talking about boxing. That was like it was an amazing MMA. thing to watch. MMA. That was an amazing thing to watch. He's a generalist. Yes, and I, and you were very specific. And that's but but how? Why was that? How why did that were they come? together? Yeah, because like, they were trying to. He's a very popular guy. Okay, and you know there was a big event. Conor McGregor's yeah. fighting Cowboy Cerrone, and then ESPN. Obviously, it's on ESPN Plus. I got it. Okay, so I'm he's an ESPN star. I was, so, I was like, what happened yeah. when I saw? Because I just saw a clip on YouTube, and I go, what yeah. happened? Yeah, and um, and I, I it was clearly that I felt yeah. like I was watching an open mic. <laughs> In the headliner, yeah, both uh, have a take on the topic. It's not. Uh, he does not have. Uh, it's not a good place. Like you, you, if you're coming from, if you're coming at martial arts, especially MMA. You have to have a deep understanding of the sport. Right. You can't just have a peripheral knowledge and communicate with someone like me. I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, that's what I a saw. Long time. I've been working for the UFC since 1997, and I've been involved in martial arts since I was. 14 15 years old so it's this is not casual to me and I'm, I'm i'm balls deep in it and i'm also very very respectful very respectful for, to the fighters very very understanding of what's going on and I'm, i look at it in a very comprehensive way his whole thing is making controversy you know his whole thing is he's a great shit talker and he's great at, at shitting on people yeah. he's great at, at mocking people's performances he's just a, a powerful communicator and an entertainer the problem is you carry that over to mma man those fans are not having that right that's what yeah they turned on him like wolves yeah yeah, that's what I, was, yeah. I didn't say anything mean man i didn't say anything no, i could have no. said some way 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 meaner shit well, i was that's why i was watching i was yeah. like 
I was like, oh shit, this is this is crazy. Yeah, I don't have anything against that guy. I like no. him. I think he's entertaining. But it's uh it's just you can't say cowboy quit. He got his face smashed in. He got right. head kicked. Yeah. I mean, he just, just doesn't understand what went down. Yeah. And you can't say Connor didn't show you anything. He just ran right through a, a top welterweight in forty seconds. He's a beast. It's like I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to apply the same sort of way of talking about sports. That he talks about maybe if it's a basketball game or maybe it's something else. He's trying to apply that to MMA. It's a different thing. It's a different thing. There's no knockdowns. You get knocked down, the guy gets on top of you and punches your fucking face in. You know what I'm saying? It's not like boxing. Right. It's so. It is as raw as a sport ever gets. You're not even wearing shoes. You know, you get your fingers are exposed. You got pads on your knuckles. You're allowed to elbow someone in the eyeball. You're allowed to kick them in the fucking face with your shin, yeah. your shin bone slamming into someone's nose. That happens all the time. That's normal. That's a normal day at the office. It's a crazy sport, man. Yeah. So I'm for that sport, you have to be super respectful and appreciative of what's going on because those guys are putting their health on the line in yeah. a big, big, big way. And those girls, too. Those girls fuck each other up, man. It's rough to watch. That was one of the hardest things for me to get over, watching girls get fucked up. Because you don't think about that, right? I mean, I saw that in the Taekwondo days. I definitely saw girls get KO'd. But it wasn't Whoa. as it wasn't as no, normal like in, in MMA. Like you see girls get just smashed, man. You see them get smashed. Like girls that fight Amanda Nunes, she just beats the Oof. fuck out of them. Yeah. Woo. Man, it's a crazy yeah. sport, man. Man, but I'm, I don't have anything against Stephen A. No, I like not, him. that's not why I brought it up. I was just we were talking about TV. That's and what like, happened. And like the yeah. the the interesting ideas that come from a different place. What if we take Joe and put him? Yeah, in man. Look, like, even that world, I don't want to be involved in that world. Like yeah. if ESPN wanted to give me a job, I'd be like, nope, not interested. I don't want to have anything to do with that. Uh, this is what like we did this fight companion podcast on Saturday Saturday during the day for yeah. the fight. The fights were from New Zealand, the UFC fights before the Tyson Fury by yeah. Deontay Wilder fight, and uh, we. We were talking about it and my friend Eddie was like, how come they don't do something like this on TV? I'm like, they couldn't. There's no way. We're drinking. We have whiskey. We're smoking <laughs> weed. We're talking crazy shit. Yeah. You know, Brendan Shaw, every girl, this bitch's ass and this and that. And everyone's talking crazy. Yeah, it's, they're can't. talking like guys normally talk. We're sitting around, but we're doing it over the internet. Yeah. But it gets millions of views. So it's one of those things where, like, if a network had a show like that, they'd be like, be this, is, this is a hit. Yeah. It's a giant hit for a sports show that's why, for a sports show to get way more views than the actual show it's watching. So it's a fight companion. We're watching the fights and we're talking about the fights, but that gets more than twice as many views as the actual fights itself, Incredible. which is kind of crazy. That's but very crazy. But the only way that happens is if no executive, none of those half in, half out people we were talking about before that yeah. are really could work at the Discovery Channel or the History Channel. They're trying to cuten things up, trying to take the edge off. Look, guys, we're going to cut that segment around when you're talking about those girls' asses. It's just kind of disrespectful. And, you know, I've got kids of my own and I've got daughters. Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, you know, if we had a producer in here, that right. like some, some network schlub. Oh, that's it right there? Oh, my God. Oh my giving us notes oh at the gosh. end of every show. Yo, I you couldn't on, do it. Yeah. When I worked on... um late night um talk shows the whole narrative of freedom of speech was in the air and that's uh, whenever we would write something it all had to be legally approved like that's the first time i saw that like, a lawyer would come hey guys and he'd be like <laughs> flustered you guys can't say you know <laughs> go, all right man sorry you know we'd figure out you know yeah. fun ways and then 
And then you would go out in the world and people were like, freedom of speech. I was like, man, this shit is <laughs> all legally approved, man. Yeah. Like, what you're seeing in this space is... Um, it's not like you said, like, but but when you guys could just say whatever you you want to say. The key is to narrow it down to as few voices as possible yes. that have control, like this. This is just you and me, and and Jamie's hanging out. Yeah. This is a three man crew that reaches millions and millions of people. That's insane. Man. Like Man. that's insane. That's never happened before. But that's the only reason why it works. Yeah. Because you don't have any like. My sensibilities are all fucked up. They're not normal. Like my, what I think is okay yeah. in terms of drugs and violence and all, all the different <laughs> things that I enjoy. Yes, it's. I mean, I'm a hunter. I, I bow hunt animals. You know, yeah. I, that's what I eat. I, my, every, I, I smoke pot all the time. Man. You know, I, I'm always swearing. Yeah, like I don't believe in any of these things. I, 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 you know, I just think that when you're when you're putting together a show. There's no way you would ever let a person like me be responsible for the 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 job of of promoting something, a push uh, like uh, being the captain of a show where you got all these executives and their jobs are on the line, right. and you're gonna have some loose cannon like me who's a wild stand-up comic. Like my everything I've done has been wild, yeah. all from the beginning, from fighting to getting the stand up, from all it's wild, it's wild stuff. Yeah, it That's what out. I like. I like when it's chaos. That's what I enjoy. Yeah. But there's no way you could ever have a network approve something like this. There's no way the mm-hmm. language, mm-hmm. saying cunt, saying wh- whatever the fuck you want to say, talking about things in an honest way, talking about what's bullshit about life, about politics, about the 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 state of the way human beings communicate with each other. Yeah. The, you you got to boil it down to just a couple of people. When you boil it down, especially guys like you and me who yeah. are comics, yeah. who could r- talk real about stuff, who aren't scared of saying their flaws, aren't scared of saying where they fucked up and how, you know, it's those some of my favorite conversations are when yeah. you talk about the the shit you fucked up when you were young and dumb. <laughs> it's fun. People hide from that stuff, man. Yeah. They don't like it. They don't like to feel like they're inadequate or or they, they always like to feel like they were always good. Like that's all nonsense. Yeah. yeah. This kind of thing where you're doing a podcast, this is I think this is the future of all those talk shows. Those talk shows are dwindling. They yeah. are like they're like flowers in the desert, man. They're not getting enough water. There's no one watching. Yeah. If you look at the numbers like Conan's show, it's horrible. And, you know, he's a legend. Yeah. And all these guys are legends, but those, no one's watching that shit anymore. Yeah. Because you could watch this or any other podcast, there's something like 900,000 of them. Oh, wow. And you could watch them or listen to them anytime you want. Yeah. You could stop it when you have to take a shit. You can come back. Yeah. You know, you don't have to wait for it to come on. You know, None of that nonsense. Yeah. yeah. You could listen in your car. You could watch it in, on your computer. Like, yeah. this is, and people are being real. They, th- this is a different world now. With the internet, there's too much real information for you to get spoon-fed nonsense on television. You know, that those like when I watch those CBS shows, like those crime shows, I'm like, old people are watching this, right? Old people and people that like have chemicals at work and they they come home drunk. You know what I mean? Like there's something about something in the air, like oh, they just want to sit and have something mindless spoon-fed to them. It's just old that's one. those network shows. That's what keeps those things alive. Yeah, those things are so watered down and so nonsense. Yeah. They're not real life. <clears throat> I wanted to come. I wanted to tell you. I got. I got beef with Malcolm Gladwell. Really? You you spoke to him. Yes. You need to connect us. What do you have beef with him about? I love him. Right. Okay. Listen. You listen to his stuff all the time. And then he uh, he did something with some guy. And I think he was a little tipsy. 
but he was talking about how he could do stand up. Doing stand up is easy. He really said that. He really said it. I wanted to send you the clip. Oh, and I just want to be like Malcolm. Come on, fam. He said that. Yeah, or something. I have to find it. He was like, doing stand-up is nothing but, and he intellectualized it. It's a certain set of thing in the room mm. with people drinking, and, and he tried to like, and, and I want him to feel it. Like, I want him yeah. to, and so. I was, That's like a guy who watches a fight and thinks, oh, fuck yes. that dude up. And when he said that, I was like, <laughs> Malcolm, you, come on, Malcolm, come on, man. And it's like, like I couldn't watch him anymore. I was like so angry. Yeah. And, uh, and I watched a few clips of him here, and I was like, man, I miss Malcolm. But uh, he needs to know you can't be. If he really said that, he's he just he doesn't understand what it audience. is. No, he might he, just yeah. not understand what it is. But I, I want him to. I want him to. I, like I want to take him to a black room. I want him to go ah! on stage, like the realest room. You know yes. what I mean? Go go do your yeah. do your thing, Michael. Let's go see do what your nonsense. I just want to see it. Just see him bomb. <laughs> just feel it. Cause you just crackle. Feel you, the heat coming yeah, off his you body. Can't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yes you yeah. can't I mean it's like and it, to me it was like man you wrote a book about 10,000 hours and you sitting there going I can do this mm. it's like come on man don't do that like, it seems like but this is what I've been saying about stand up for a while is that if you talk to someone yeah they th- a, a lot of people have been funny in their life most people have said something funny of course and everyone can talk yes right so all you're doing up there is talking and you say something funny it seems like I can do it yeah but you're, seems you're doing like it, I you're, can do it yeah but you're you're talking and saying something funny to people who know you and love you yes. and know your quirks and your tics and all that right. stuff you're in front of strangers right who may or may not be in that audience <laughs> well that's the difference Gene. i don't know if you've ever seen this but there's a lot of people that are maybe podcasters or mm-hmm. they do other things and then they're doing stand-up occasionally in oh, front yes. of their crowd yes and they think yes. they're doing good stand-up but then they'll go on in the store and they'll get sandwiched into a lineup in the or of murderers yes and then it's Ugly. Yeah. It gets ugly because reality sets in. Because if they're all there to see you and they're all your fans and they paid money to hear you talk, they just want to see you. Like, Bad. hey, there's the guy from the show. Yes. Yay. Yay. And they've probably never been in the comedy club. So if Malcolm is doing these speeches and he's doing these speeches in front of these large audiences, he's probably said some funny things. Yes. So he probably thinks that he can do stand up. He's a funny guy. But yeah. when he got I was like, ah oh, man, I need I need I need to I need to find dude. I need to talk to him. It's <laughs> it's not one it, it's I don't think people understand what it is. It's a no. weird it's a very weird art form because I don't I think it's only truly appreciated by people who've done it. Like truly appreciated in terms of what's actually happening. Yeah. And it took me years to realize that what was going on when you're killing is a sort of a form of hypnosis. There's a, the, the, the audience is letting you into their mind and they're letting you think for them. That's why when you have clunky shit or you blow yourself up or you, you have a distorted perception of yourself or you have too many words, yeah. it's like annoying, it's frustrating, it's hard for people to absorb. You lose some of that grip that you have on them. Yeah. But when someone has an economy of words and they lock in and their jokes are tight and then they keep going and going you're lost you're lost in their thoughts yep. you just let those people carry you i best. love it i love my favorite thing is to sit in the audience and love someone killing i just go along with them yeah. like ah it's so fun it's so fun yeah. but to break that down to just sentences and words and you say this and you say that it's not that it's not there's that. so much more to it so many elements that's why i love watching like oh you know what i wish i wish there was a, a stand-up show you know, you know how like I love 
now that some of these ex NBA players are on ESPN because now they're speaking about the game from being players. Yes. So you have people who clearly have never played, right? But, you know, very are you know very learned, uh, you know, pundits. And then they go, that ain't it, man. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. You ain't never do this. Is this, 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 right. this. That team going to lose. And then the team loses. <laughs> yeah. I love that shit. And I wish uh, I wish that um, there was a show like that for stand-ups. Where we could like right. watch a stand-up special. We would be real. Not, it would be hard. Though. I know, because you, you some, come across as hating, but it's not. dog shit specials. I know, you I know, know, and I know there's some know. that should have never happened. I know. And you watch them, and you'd have to break it down. You'd have to go, this is nonsense. Like, this uh, yeah. is nonsense right here. Yeah, but I but I enjoy figuring out that puzzle. Like, yeah. Like, but we couldn't do it publicly. No. I know. Fuck. You know what I've been doing? You know who my, some of my favorite people to do this with? Uh, me and Eddie Pep are sitting in the back of the uh, <laughs> room and just just tear just, something apart. Just, and it's so fun. It's so fun. It's and we both fun. are like, ah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then we go up and do our act. When you see bullshit, oh bullshit comedy is fun to watch sometimes. It's so fun. But it, but uh, but what I'm saying, like, what's you know, what's drawn? I'm fascinated by that thing where. We're truth tellers. We're honest. We we spend our whole lives trying to figure out what our truth is, mm-hmm. but we can't speak truth about certain things still. Yeah, because it's business. bad optics. It's bad thing. It's bad. It's bad optics. Is a good way. But, of putting it's, it. but it's like my intention is to help it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like my intention is not. That's why I said I don't. I don't. Like I'm not walking around going this guy sucks. I love that you say it's, it's dog shit. But I, I feel like I just feel like you what you should have you should have taken a year you know what I mean yeah. and this is a good start but that's this the wasn't case ready. in this, every this thing it's yeah. the case in fighting there's oh, people yeah? that are bad at fighting <laughs> oh my god I want to yeah. see what that yeah. is like oh, but t- there's people that are terrible at it oh my god and then they you know they try to fight professionally and they get crushed yeah and then there's people that are really good at it and you watch them and you go oh I see what is what's what's separating the creativity yeah. the aggression the the understanding the technical aspects of it oh, yeah. that's the same with stand up there's people that are mediocre at music there's people that are terrible at poetry there's people that are just, they just, they, they, you know, maybe they're still on their early notebooks. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe it's just a journey and they just haven't gotten to the point yet. But there's also a thing where you were talking about bits that you would do where you try to get people to think about you a certain way. Yeah. I see a lot of that today. You see a lot of this weird woke comedy. Oh, yeah. Where it's like they're just, they're setting out to try to, to establish this like social justice premise rather than be funny, <laughs> be funny. but it's yeah, almost they're doing it because they think it's the same mentality and it's it's almost always people that are not not really successful yet maybe they've had a little bit of success a taste but it's the same mentality as those phony actors that haven't made it where they're all they don't say nice to meet you because they might have met you already so they say good to see, good you. see you right yes like, you know that <laughs> thing they do what does that mean good to see you what does that mean? You know, me and my friend uh, uh, Dwayne Kennedy, uh, we were, we uh, we were working on a show one time, and we would walk a lot, and we would just walk up to people and go, "I'm hearing good things." <laughs> <laughs> people would be like, "Ah," because it, uh, it is. It's right there. It's up. It's up uh, there with the. Hey man, I'm hearing good things, man. Yes, good man. Good <laughs> things. <laughs> like, Actors. Yes. Yeah, I have a. A person I know and her boyfriend is a, a com- not a comic, a, an actor that hasn't made it. And he's brutal. 
because all he talks about is like that this guy uh, I don't like his choices like you can't you can't even watch a preview with him oh gosh yeah like whatever happened to his career like bitch what, uh, you don't have a career you don't have what are you saying are you shitting on this guy pay attention to you and you have a busy busy but it's yeah. it's not just that it's like it's uncomfortable to be around them because that's all they care about is making it and acting it's all they care about they're not like balanced people that can just talk true yeah, yeah, I know some comics like that. Yes, and then, when and you're then, struggling, when you're in the struggle. Yeah, the that's, struggle that's is done. a motherfucker because it's a mind fuck, and then yeah. also the pressure of that struggle overwhelms you. Yes, and then when you actually do get a break, it's there's so much weight to it you can't carry it. Can't carry it. Do you have anything now? Do you look back at maybe? Yeah, like have you seen some comedians like because like when you're in that struggle you're not your best self right yeah so shit could happen for sure yeah have you have you like ever like made amends or anything like you know or just like forgiving people like quietly because you understand it now it's kind of like being yes, a parent like before you're sure. a parent you have you see the world one way then you become a parent yeah you see the, you know what I mean? it's like um yeah i talk about that a lot that yeah. i used to think of people as being i meet a guy he's 42 right. oh he's always been 42 <laughs> and then I, he's just this is who he is and i realized oh he was a baby he was yeah he was a baby and then yes. he went through all these years and here he is all fucked up and confused yes yeah yes and so i'm fascinated with that too like i'm a very forgiving person i forgive people as often as i can yeah i don't think there's any there's no benefit to holding a grudge. I agree. I agree with that. Especially in our business, we're in a wild business where people take chances. Right. Wild people that take chances, like you gotta cut you them. You gotta breaks. come break. Yeah, and I love that you always embrace that. Like you, you know who else embraces people being who they are? I'm, Debbie Allen is like that. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like people want to protect people like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they kind of like walk the world like with no judgment, and I like I. I like being like that. Like, I love when people do fucked up shit. I, don't, I hope they don't do it to me. No, I'm fascinated. I'm like, I just want to know, yeah, man, whoa, whoa, and then what? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not like, well, maybe you shouldn't. I'm like, no, yeah, do that. Yeah, see what happens. I like chaos. I, do, I, I do. encourage it. I do. Hey, man, hey, man, hey, But I also, I like people realizing that they fucked up and then talking about their fuck ups. I like that. That's, but that's what makes, that's the, like I say, it's the difference between greatness and, you know, talented people, the people that can embrace it. I think transcend. I think it's, in my opinion, it's just a powerful human quality. Yeah, to forgive people, humility. And humility is big, but also just just being a nice person is so valuable. It's so valuable, and I love hugging people, man. I love see. I love one of the things I love most about coming yeah. to the store yeah. or to the improv is seeing all my friends. I love that. We're all in this weird I'm, business together. But I've been told I'm too nice. No, I've been told I'm too nice. Yo. Who the fuck told you that, man? I'm Some asshole. Well, because cause I haven't had a special and all that. That's shit. bullshit. So they're like, you're too nice, man. No, you haven't had you a special be because you concentrated on writing. That's all okay. it is. Right. You're not too nice. Yeah, that's all bullshit. That's crazy talk. I know. I was like, I'm, I got yo. That's the shit I be thinking. People, but pe- when you, when things aren't going well, right? Assholes on the outside come up with solutions. You're too nice. Too nice. Too I know nice. what to do different. <laughs> you need to start stealing. I did start, Right, right. I'm like, I'm too tall to steal, man. Yeah, you need to fire your agent. Like, right. what? He's been with me from the beginning. Like. <laughs> People think that yeah. there's always some solution that they've got. Yes. That's a dangerous thing when things aren't going well. All you need to do is people. Yeah. All you oh need to do God. is you're like you're listening. People, even people that are really good, people come up with bad solutions. Oh yeah. Like my manager, my own manager, I've I've had for I I found my manager when I was an open micer. He found oh. me when I was an open micer in Boston. I've had him ever since. But in the beginning, he wanted me to be clean. 
He's like, you oh gotta, yeah, I've, I've heard of that. You yeah. got to be clean. You got to yeah, be clean. Yeah. Clean your act up. You get on TV. Clean your act up. Man, but then, but he he let it go pretty quickly. But it's also because things aren't going well, right? You you don't have shit going on. Yeah. Nothing's happening. So people are like, hmm, how do we make it happen for you? You got to be clean. You told me I got to dress up nice and be clean. Yeah, <laughs> two pieces of terrible advice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you: Do you think it's still value in that? Like, um. Like, why don't they have a late night talk show where comics can just do their actual act? It would have to be on the internet. The problem is all those goddamn people you're talking about. Like, yeah. the same reason why you can never have this fight companion or even this podcast on a network. There right. was too many people would interfere. Shit. They would, you know, like, I have a friend who's an executive and he actually talked to me about, you know, there's probably a lot of other things you could do with this show. Yeah. You know, you could do this and you could do, I'm like, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> Stop. You're never going to get a job here. I'm never going to, you're not going to come over to the wild side. Right. Like, this is, you can't handle this. This is not you. This right. is, this is the internet is you're a different thing, man. The internet is a different thing. Oh, and if goodness. you, you involve the internet yeah. and, and you try to bring the Hollywood people over to the, they'll just fuck it up. Yeah. They'll just ruin it. Yeah. So if any kind of wild ass late night talk show you have comics sitting around, they'll ruin that. You'd have to bring that over here. You have to bring it over to the dark side and just let people just get all you need is a conference table and some fucking cameras and an internet connection. Boom, you're on YouTube. I'm, I'm doing it. I'm That's doing all this. you need. In context with Owen Smith. That's what Why I'm not, man? I'll be, I'll be watching stuff going, man, I want to. So. Dude, everyone, every no comic place. should have yeah. a podcast just like every comic has a social media. It's really that simple to I'm, me. I'm, uh, I'm getting off of that shit, though. Social media? I'm I'm gonna keep it, but I ain't following nobody. No, no offense. It's I, very addictive. I, I unfollowed you this Thank morning. You. Thank you. Because <laughs> and, and I'm, and that's my new thing. I tell people to their face, "Yo, I followed you, then unfollowed you." Just it's very so you distracting. Know. Yeah, it yeah. totally is. And I'm like, God damn. Or Looking at pictures of my dog and stupid shit. Yeah, it's like I, my dog's right here. I can just pet my fuck. <laughs> Why am I doing it? So it's a time waster. Yeah, man. So uh, I'm on it. Y'all can follow me. Owen Smith for real, whatever. I, I'm no for real, man. <laughs> whatever. I, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I'm not following nobody. I'm trying to. Good. I'm gonna get rid of all my Twitter followers. Like, if I know you and I see you, I'm gonna engage that way. I'm only gonna post stuff that I feel is funny and fun or whatever. It's a good promotional tool. That's it. But that's it. You but have to be worried about the addictive nature of I'm social done. media. It's very addictive. Yeah. It's very hard to to like you could when I take a shit in yeah. the morning I'll, I'll go over my email first yeah. see if there's any important if like see if there's any funny on Instagram yeah and then I'll like Lil Duval always makes me laugh He's I go hilarious. to his shit first yeah. He's yeah. the best he him and Kyle Dunnigan are the, the best follows on Instagram You know what's funny I he's from the Bahamas I was born in the Bahamas yeah, my fuck is so funny man I so I, I sold a show to ABC and I wrote it. And uh, they were asking me, like, who do you want to star in it? And I wanted Lil Duval to star in it. Mm. And the whole network thing, I was like... Plus, I don't even know if he's fucking with TV now because his music career is like... He's man. doing so well with, with performing live. It would be a demotion. The you know what I mean? He has planes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He so, has but, two planes. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I know. Isn't it crazy hearing him talk about it? But I just think he's so... Like, you trust him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like... It's like it's certain like when you see him, yeah. you know his goal is to be funny, yeah. and you just trust it. Yes. And I, I, yes. even though he hasn't quote unquote been number one on the call sheet before, I was like, man, this dude would be. Uh, he would be this murderous. Be, this dude would be great. murder, but it's but too, I knew it's too late. Too, He's free already. They didn't, He's but free. They, they they passed on the show, so I didn't have to 
go do with the casting thing anyway. But yeah. in the back of my mind, I was like, man, he would be the perfect. If guy. you had a show that yep. was produced by people that you respect, you. Yeah, and like other comics and like really intelligent people that you trusted. Yeah, that would be a different experience. Completely, and it would be, it would be, it wouldn't even feel like work. Yeah, and it would have to be people whose lives didn't depend on oh, the success that's of the show. So important. Yes, because you could feel that shit, man. Yes. Especially with notes and all of that. Mm -hmm. But again, like I say, I chose to look at it as a challenge. As to go, what is this? Let me see how I can, you know, what just. It's well, different. it clearly benefits your stand-up writing because yeah. you have this, your stand-up, you have, you vary widely in your subjects and yeah. you also, you, you have this approach, you have a, you have a very comprehensive approach to subjects when you're, you're, you examine subjects well, you know, and I, I think yeah. a lot of that comes from it. your writing and a lot of that comes from also dealing with network notes and dealing with executives. Like there's, there's a benefit, but the benefit's done. You already got all the good parts of yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You got to break free of the tit. Got to break free, man. So there it is. Textowen.com. You could do so many different things, man. All right, you, I'm, you I'm could do talk so to many you. different things. I'm, I'm gonna hit you up. And if you want to do some gigs with me, I'm, I got a bunch of gigs. I'm announcing a giant it. tour tomorrow. Yay! Yeah. Hey, we well, just announced it today. Yeah. Does this come out tomorrow? Or is this out today? Yeah, this will come out. When does this come out? Tomorrow. tomorrow yeah. yeah. Tomorrow. Okay. Good. Yeah, so haha. Good. Tomorrow meaning today. So I'm announcing a That's giant great, tour man. today. Yay! Oh yeah. man, yes, I want yeah, to. Let's do some gigs. Let's do it, yeah. man. I'd love to take you out. With me. I would love it, man. Do some arenas. Yes. Ah! What's the biggest place you ever performed at? Radio City Music Hall. How many is that? Russell Peters. Uh, maybe 6,000. Oh, okay. Straight up. And let me tell you, the comedy store, my training in the comedy store prepared me for that. Yeah. Because at the um, run-through, I was like, how am I going to play this? Because it, it just goes up. Right. When I was on stage, the way it's set intimately, I, it felt like the OR. Really? It felt like the OR. So from a technical perspective... I just had to stand there and trust the material. And then when I would act out something, it was so much more effective than the first instinct. Like, I got to work this stage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? It's <clears> like, <throat> if I was like a couple of, you know, just because of my build and my height, I mm -hmm. was trying to figure out what's the best way to like connect. And, yeah, some people like to pace. Yeah, and pacing is, is yeah. fine, but. It's got to be in you. Yes. And, 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 and sometimes I pace, but, but. The more I know it, the stiller I can get, mm -hmm. and then I can I can play. Now I'm playing, you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's like it's just the it's the work of it all. So when I did Radio City, I stood there, man, and destroyed that. Place. <laughs> like it was fun as fuck. Like I love um, arenas because it's no, it's um, you forget when the drinks are being bought in and the, and the, and the tabs are being mm -hmm. dropped. You don't have that. Like they're actually just there, yeah. and you're like, oh shit, like. It's just a different. Has he done fun. one in the round yet? Not yet. That's wild. Yet. I can't wait. That's man. weird. You can pace it around. It's fun. That'd be fun as fuck, man. Like I, I just, I, yeah, man. I, I get chills just thinking of like when I first started. When I the few auditoriums I did, then a few arenas. Not 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 arenas. Theaters. Theaters. I was like, oh shit, this is what I this, mm -hmm. like. This is like I'm that. Like I love that shit. Like, well, especially for your style of comedy too. Yeah, love it, man. You have comedy too that's got plenty of room to think about what you're saying. Yeah, you know, and that's what you in, in the theater you got to kind of slow things down a little bit because I remember I went to watch Lewis Black. Me and Joey Diaz yes. watched Lewis Black 
he was performing a night before I was. Okay. And we were just we flew in early, and, and Joey was like, "Let's go across the street," because that was where the theater was. And so we got in, we sat down, and I realized that when he's in the, maybe the, this was in New Jersey, might be the theater didn't have the best sound. Not that New Jersey has bad sound, <laughs> but uh, when he was in the middle of his, he was killing. He had this big laugh. And then he would say a tagline, and I couldn't hear the tagline because everybody around me was laughing. And then I realized, like, oh, you got to hold these these taglines a little in a place like this because yeah. the the laughter's too loud. Because you actually hear people next to you going ha 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 ha, and you can't hear what the fuck he's saying yeah. unless the the volume's so overwhelming. Like you got to know, and then on stage it's hard to realize that because there's the monitors, and the monitors are, you know, Boom. you can hear yourself very loudly, yes. but you might not. The people in the audience might not be able to hear it as clearly. Yeah, it is a different pacing thing. I love it though, man. It's, it's so what's so interesting about that is when you, um, what I like to do sometimes is look at what other acts come to that venue, mm -hmm. and a lot of times if it's like, if it's like, um, you know jazz ensembles or things where it's not like a lot of laughter you know mm -hmm. what I mean? like in that space you got to remember like it's 52 weeks in a year maybe four of those weeks it's us right you know what i mean yeah every time it's like it's dance it's all these other things yeah people, you know doing this shit so yeah that the the place is even like what the fuck is all this noise like right. consistent at a rapid yeah so yeah you do it bounces and you gotta like just that's different one it's different. Did, what, what did you, what's your thing that you do when people are laughing a lot? You know what I'm saying? Like if they if you got a lot of laughs, you know some you have, some people like to do that fake laugh. <laughs> if I laugh, it's because I'm laughing. It. No, I know. I don't but have I'm saying, a fake laugh. Yeah, like, I know what you're talking about. That those who cast us take a puff. Yeah. You know, like what's your? I don't know. Just <laughs> in the moment, man. I stay in the moment. I try to stay in the moment, but I, I definitely never give off a fake laugh. Yes. If I'm laughing, it's because I think it's funny yes. in the moment. There's a, the a grossness to fake laughs that I just can't tolerate. Yeah. I see guys fake laugh. Even good comics sometimes. I want to go. Please oh stop doing I that. I know. I know. Please I know. stop. Because sometimes it's funny. Yeah. Sometimes it really is funny. But yeah. if you're lying to me, you're pretending you think this is hysterical yeah. right now when you said it 150 times in a row exactly the same way. Yeah. And you're pretending like you just really realize how funny it is right it's like i had a tagline the, the other night that i never used before and right after i said it, i started cracking it cracked up. you up that's it, the best though. it came out of nowhere yeah because i realized like there was a i had a point in the middle of this bit and i said the point and they're like because <laughs> <laughs> it was so ridiculous yeah. and it was also real like in the moment i came up with it i ad-libbed i said it on the spot and then i started laughing I love that. those are those are real laughs but yeah. i don't hardly ever laugh along unless i'm really i might be real high i'm real, high, <laughs> I'm real silly sometimes i'm just you know most of the time i'm in the groove right yeah. i'm just thinking about what i'm doing i'm just trying to do it my best but there's times when i'm up there i'm like man i can't believe i get to do this I know. can't believe it it's remember you go back to thinking about the time when you were 19 you're watching chris and tony and then think now you know you get to do man. it in the best comedy clubs in the world yeah and yeah. It's, it's just the greatest job on earth. It's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It's, and so that's what brings me back to Malcolm Gladwell, man. Malcolm, you're we'll crazy. see you in these comedy <laughs> streets, fam. No, Come on, stop. Malcolm. Stop. Malcolm, I'll put you up on one of my I nights. I really wanted to talk to him. I want you to him. go on right after yes, Owen. Yes, <laughs> Yeah, follow me, son. <laughs> or open. Oh, that yeah. might be even uglier. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, man. <laughs> I like, no warm-up. I was like, the goal, like for real, ask my wife. Like I couldn't, I can't, I couldn't listen to him for a minute. And that was my man because yeah. he had these podcasts. Mm-hmm. 
when he was dissecting stuff and you know but he's a brilliant guy fantastic and sometimes brilliant people overestimate their perceptions they 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 overestimate their their ability to break something down yes i mean like i've had conversations with people about fighting that way where people say hey if anybody ever came up to me i would do this and then i would do that (laughs) like they say that and like oh okay this is uh, it's hard for me to hear. I'm just gonna let you talk because really, I want to just tackle you right now, and choke <laughs> the life you out of you. Wait, I wasn't yeah. ready. I wasn't ready. Yeah. But, but people have this idea because a person moves in a way that's similar to the way that they can move. They think I could do that. I yeah. lift weights. I'll fuck that guy up. They have these ideas and they think, oh, he's out there talking. I'm a brilliant guy. I'm smarter than them. I understand things. I'm, I write. I'm yeah. always performing because I'm always talking about this. A so stand up would be easy. I <laughs> literally yelled. I said, Malcolm, what did I do to you? Like, <laughs> I, I, I think it's so personal. <laughs> like, why are you attacking my I, thing, before man? Before I criticize him, I'd have to hear his exact quote. Yeah, I got to send it to you. Have we found it? He was feeling saucy. Jamie? It's him and another guy. Yeah, he was talking about jobs that are really hard, and he picked stand-up comedy, and there's mm-hmm. a couple of quotes. That guy f- defended stand-up comedy yes. very well, it seems like. But wait, wait, is this something that I you... Couldn't, I couldn't figure out where, where it exactly was. I think is it, it was on quotes? somebody else's... It was a podcast they mm-hmm. did somewhere, like an interview. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like an hour so long. So you saw it in quotes? Right, right, yeah. Can I see the quotes? No, it, it wasn't very... It wasn't very clear. Oh, okay. So, but basically, give me your synopsis of it then. Uh, Like, he thought people were too drunk, so it was really easy. Yes. Like, like, the room was set up for them. They're coming to see them, so it's easier. He just doesn't know, like, he's got a very, like, singular, he must have been, like, one or two stand-up shows, and it's like, oh. Well, he's right sometimes, though. He's right sometimes. We've all seen shows where people are laughing at bullshit. I didn't want to hear from him. Right. <laughs> well, he doesn't like, know. Like, it if like, there was a show and you went on, right. and Jesselneck went on, and Diaz, maybe Louis C.K. dropped right. in, dropped in. Right. Dave Chappelle did ten minutes. Malcolm, go. Malcolm get right. up there. Good <laughs> fucking luck, not having a heart attack. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, have fun, man. Go, go, go. But he's also right in that we've all seen mediocre thoughts get passed off, and the audience yes. laughs. Like, there's certain clubs, I don't want to mention any names, but you can go to them any night of the week in Burbank or in North Hollywood, and you, you can <laughs> you see locations? dog shit comedy, and people are laughing. They're laughing, and it's like real clunky, yeah. low rent. What if that's the only, what if that's where he was, like in those rooms? It could be where he was. Straight B rooms. But I mean, this is the difference between talking about any sport, right? You could watch someone do it poorly on a playground, or you could watch someone do it exquisitely as a professional and you go oh oh here it is gladwell stated comedians deal with people in a tightly tightly controlled controlled setting setting. and that that he cannot imagine an easier set of circumstances for navigating a social situation than that of a stand-up comedian they go to vegas they go to the comedy cellar they control their environments oh man i was like this this is who what is this article that's uh shitting on it what's it from Malcolm Gladwell <laughs> fails stand-up comedy 101. <laughs> yes. So who wrote that? See, that's how I felt. Was it? Uh, was the person who wrote it? Does this have their name anywhere? I had it. Uh, really? Oh, it's uh, the guy. It's the dot com. Nathan Timmel dot com. Nathan Timmel dot. Is Nathan a comic? <clears throat> yeah. Well, he's right. Yeah. Nathan's right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's in, Malcolm's right in a sense. He's right in a sense. But what he doesn't understand is there's a, a mind wrestling that's going on before you actually go and do that and to sort of diminish the difficulty of that it just shows that you haven't done it that's what it felt like yeah and so i was like damn i can't listen
listen to this too because I couldn't I couldn't because he said it in the same exact voice yeah. he says everything else in so when he's breaking down something that I really want to hear him dissect he's so brilliant in so many different ways I couldn't shake it I was like ah oh, yeah God, that ten thousand hour shit yeah he wrote Outliers right that's him right yes. Yeah, that that book is amazing. It talks about the Beatles and how the the Be- like people think the Beatles came out of nowhere. Those motherfuckers did thousands, thousands and thousands of shows. That's what's up. It's just numbers. Yeah, it's numbers and concentration and focus and just that being what you really want. Yeah, you know, it's just yes. not it's not yeah. just numbers. It's numbers of like passion, numbers of focus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's wrong. He's wrong. But <laughs> but I get it. I get why he thinks yes. that. It's, it is a tightly controlled environment, but it's so easy to bomb in that tightly controlled environment. But he has that's no what I'm idea. Saying. Some that's an A room. Some some rooms are tightly controlled environments. Mm-hmm. But starting, we didn't always yeah. perform in tightly controlled environments. No. Bowling alleys. Oh yeah. Backyards. Bars. Bars. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like there's so many other spots where you also have to make comedy happen. <sighs> Yeah, and those places where there's a big moat between you and the audience. Uh, Dude, I did a Jack and Lord. Jill strip club. There you a go. Jack and Jill strip club in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. <laughs> the last there's a guy thing I want to see is you. There was a guy named Brian Deary. He used mm-hmm. to book these gigs. I think he's still around. He used to book these gigs in Rhode Island, and some of them were great, but occasionally they were terrible. And this one, as far as I know, I think I was the only. I think I was a one and done. I think <laughs> I think they they killed it after either because there was only like four people in the crowd, oh, yeah. and I went up and it was a guy and a girl. Jack and Jill strip club was a. a there was an old concept that didn't really take off where couples would go and a guy <laughs> would go and strip and the girl would go and strip. <clears throat> and they both looked like their parents drank while they were in the womb. <laughs> they, they, both, they both had terrible tattoos. This guy had terrible tattoos and he had them covered with bandanas. So he had like, like bandanas around his arm and you could see like the shitty tattoo poking out of the bottom. And, <laughs> and he, wasn't, he was built goofy. He was built like a guy who like lifts weights but he drinks every night. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like right. he wasn't strong pot belly. He dude. wasn't like if you go to Vegas and you see those like the men from down under, they're yeah, all six ripped, back, like yeah, ripped. Yeah. There was nothing like that oh, with him hilarious. or her. They were both disgusting. <laughs> they were both disgusting. And it was and I don't I'd like to say I bombed, but bombing usually you hear some noise. Right. Like people are mad at you, right. you suck, boo. <laughs> there was no, they were not even recognizing that I was talking. Oh my God. So I got off stage and there was like a little pool table in the back. And there was a dude who just happened to be in town because his family lived there because it was around the holidays. Uh-huh. And his family lived in Rhode Island and he just wanted to get out of the house. So he came to this local bar and, and he and he goes, Hey, what the fuck is this place? And I go, what are you doing here? And he goes, I'm just here. My fucking family lives around here. And I just came here because there's nowhere else to go. What the fuck is this place? This is so strange. And he and I had a game of pool and we were laughing. That's hilarious. Yeah, I'll never forget it. It was so strange. It was so strange. That's not a controlled environment. Those gigs, those gigs season you though. Yes. You you get you you develop the a crust. Yes. A layer of protection where you could go up in front of those people. Yes, and you also know when you get offered those gigs, what it's gonna be like. Yeah. Just by the tone. I mean, it's gonna be great, it's always packed. All right, was okay. All right. Where yeah. is it again? Sure. But you there were some know. that were always packed. There were some gigs that I'd get old school shitty bar gigs that were fun, man. Yeah. They were wild. They made me because they fed me. Right. Those gigs fed me when I was poor. But it's, it's, it's <clears throat> every situation is different. Like mm-hmm. he, he basically saw like the Lakers of, you know, stand up. You right. know what I mean? And, and he thinks it looks easy because they make it look this, easy. Yeah. He falls into that trap. And that's awful. Right. That's yeah. My wife is calling me. That's yeah. like. 
thinking that someone's making something, think, thinking that something's easy because someone's a master. Yes. Like, like, did you ever see that video where uh, Michael Jordan came out of retirement? Not didn't come out of retirement, but he had retired. But there was a player who had been talking shit about oh, him. Oh yeah. You saw that? Oh yeah. That's, and they they uh, and and when Mike came back, he uh, he. They played one on one, and he just destroyed Mike him. But he did it like laughing, yes, and joking. He made it look so easy. And, the like, and then, the, and then yeah. the guy realized, like, oh, yes. oh, there's levels. I do that. I do that sometimes because you know what else happens out here. We'll be working stuff out. Yes, we'll be working stuff out. So I might not. I'm not. I'm not in the gear that I would be in. If of course, because I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm figuring it out. And this is a safe space to try to figure it out. So yeah. you might see some people like you know whatever he struggled after me i'd be like all right put me in front of you and then i would just do your best shit and i and i and i would make sure i could see their face like while i'm doing it <laughs> they were like oh shit well, you know what i mean that taking the chances look chris rock does that better than anybody yeah i've seen chris rock go on after people killed right i mean killed he gets this giant round of applause and he goes relax relax yeah, this shit ain't gonna be funny yeah this shit is not gonna be that funny i'm yes. gonna tell you right now there's yeah. all new shit i'm working out it ain't that good. Yeah. And he, he'll walk around and joke and laugh and says, it's not that good. And he'll like bring everybody down, yeah. calm them down, and then purposely fuck around. Damon Wayans used to do that too. Oh, yeah. He's so funny. Damon Wayans, is, he's one of the unheralded greats. He's doing it again. Yeah, he's he great. is doing it again, but he's also doing sitcoms again too. Oh, yeah, he saw something. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. going to do, we, were, we had actually talked about doing a podcast. He was in, oh, into yeah. it. Yeah, but oh, yeah. Oh, I was there that night. Remember? Yeah, the but, but then he's like, he doesn't want to say show. anything crazy. Oh, because he's, he's got, got a show. The Netflix stuff. He he the, uh, network stuff. Yeah. Smoking weed, get, get some start drinks going. Some, some ice starts clinking, start talking shit. Oh, he's got some stories. Da Damon's. Look, he had a joke about Magic Johnson way back in the, eight, in, the in the days. Um, where uh, when Magic went back to playing when he had HIV, I'll never forget this. He was, he, was, he was like everybody was afraid to cover Magic. He said except for Dennis Rodman. Dennis <laughs> Rodman was right, like, "Motherfucker, I fuck Madonna. I'll spit in your mouth and accelerate your symptoms." <laughs> to this day, that's one of the best jokes I ever that's heard. Fantastic. I'll spit in your, your mouth and accelerate your symptoms. <laughs> Because motherfucker, I fuck Madonna. Ah, man. <laughs> Yo, you don't realize how complete Damon is, man. Oh, he's an animal. I got to witness, like, like the stuff he says between the lines is so complete. You know what I mean? He's so fucking good. Man. He should be recognized as one of the greatest of all time, but he yeah. went and did a bunch of TV shows. Right. And, and while he was doing those TV shows, you know, he did clubs and he fucked around a little bit like that, but he didn't dedicate to it the same way maybe Cat Williams did or some other guys did that, that became huge yeah. and, you know, had a bunch of big-time specials in that era. But he, he still got it. always huge to me, though, yeah. He could still do it right now. Damon, if he wanted to go on tour and yeah. start hitting theaters and start doing an, uh, a Netflix special, he would blow people away. Destroy he was one of the people that showed me it was it was okay to be tall and funny. Oh, that's hilarious! You know what I mean? Like oh, we've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's I'm, true. I'm right? Like, God damn, he's yeah. so and he's and he was cool. He was cool, yeah. and but then he could get goofy. He was silly, so, man. He was silly, but he goddamn was a great writer. Yeah, great, great writer, great performer, and part of one of the great. Look, there's two greatest sketch. Well, there's a couple other ones that are, but for. 
pound for pound funny. There's In Living Color yeah, and number one is Chappelle Show. Now, Chappelle Show is number one because it only really lasted two years. Right. And still, to this day, has some of the most legendary sketches of all, all time. time. Clayton Bigsby, one of the most legendary sketches of all time. All the Rick James shit. Oh, my God. Legendary. Fantastic. Legendary. legendary. But In Living Color, in that era. Oh, my God. That era, that was the show for that era. Yeah. And Damon was a giant part of that. And Keenan. And, it was know. stuff you had to see. Like, yeah. you would race home to see. You couldn't, yeah. But Damon, somewhere along the line, look, the world was a different place back then. But he had decided that he was going to do movies. Remember, he was yeah. in The Last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis? Yep. He was yeah. a movie star. Yeah. He was doing action movies. Yeah. You know, and then he got that sitcom. He did that sitcom for a long time. And yeah, well, the problem with sitcoms is. is they give you that juicy check every week. Ooh, if you're a, a famous guy who's a, the lead of a sitcom, like guys like Kevin James, you never have to work again, My ever, goodness. ever for yeah. life. You get that juicy check, that juicy the show went for six years check. Like, oh boy, man, oh boy, that's the. You don't have to do nothing. Yeah, but it's a trap. It's a trap for someone who's a great comic. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's never going to be as good as doing stand up. It's never going to feel as good. There's right. a thing about when it pop. There's a thing about when when you hear a dude pop in the in the main room, like you're in the back green room, and you yeah. hear. Bah! Yeah. <laughs> like you open the door and lean in like what's going on yeah, what do you do what happened what's she what do? do? Happened? that's yeah. my favorite that's my in my professional life yeah. out of all the things I've done whether it's a UFC or podcasts or TV shows that the pop of someone murdering at a club where you're hanging out and you watch someone just destroying Joey Diaz did this bit about Terry Crews that they cut out of his Netflix special. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was, was too risky it for was the too internet. Crazy. Netflix was like, "Fuck you." It was because it was a Me Too thing, uh -huh. and it was. Uh, but it was basically saying that, like, it was basically mocking Terry Crews. Like, it was Terry Crews threatened? Like, he's a goddamn fucking super athlete. Right. Like, Terry Crews is a massive man. Yeah. I mean, the idea that some agent touching his dick was actually terrifying <laughs> is so ridiculous. But Joey Diaz had this bit about, you shouldn't have done that underwear commercial. Would you, in that <laughs> You're bouncing oh, your titties with that giant no. fucking hog in your pants. You ha I, I'm not doing it any justice. Uh, I, he doesn't do it anymore, unfortunately. But no. that bit, me and and, and and Santino, we were in the back of the right. of the OR. Literally, we couldn't stay in the chair. We were on the ground. We were just clinging to the table, just hanging on. And Joey's <laughs> screaming, and his sweat's flying off of him, and he's beat red. But those are my favorite moments in life when someone hits oh. those pops. You don't get those pops when you do a sitcom. You get a lot of money. You get everybody making you bagels. It's real. It's wonderful. Yeah. You got a parking spot. Yeah. But it's it's a it's a velvet prison. Do you think your insecurity rises when you are being coddled and treated like that? Mine does. Yeah, I was wondering. Yeah, mine does. I got fortunate in that when I did Fear Factor, I never stopped doing stand-up. I ah, never stopped. Okay. I was always at the store. Yeah. Always. I'll keep I was balanced. scared because yeah. I had fucked up during news radio. When I was on news radio, I, I, I went for a long stretch where I was barely doing stand-up because we were long hours. When a sitcom yeah. is New. first getting- It's trying to figure it out. It's like 12-hour yeah. days. Yeah, and it's long. I would do sets, but I wasn't writing any new material. And then I had a, a writer, one of the writers, and one of the producers came to see me, and I ate shit. Ugh. Woo! Bombed hard. <laughs> In the main room, like a late show on a Friday night, uh, Friday or Saturday, I, I ate shit. Yeah, I tanked. Uh -huh. I was so nervous. And I see them, and they were real close. They were like fourth row, and I'm like, oh my God, this is embarrassing. <laughs> and there was only like maybe 30 people in the whole crowd. It was a tiny crowd. Raymond and was in the back like, this is who you hired? <laughs> he was already killing it. Oh, everybody man. loves Raymond by then. He was happy. But 
And Ray was a friend of mine, still is. Nice. But it was, uh, I was happy that I didn't take his job. Yeah. I took the job of the dude who took his job. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For me, it was like, okay. That's hilarious. This is okay. But when, when I did that, I realized, like, okay, I'm fucking off here. I'm just doing this sitcom and I'm, 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 not, I'm losing the right. thing that I love. I'm not good anymore. Like, I, I sucked. Yeah. And then a year later, I wound up doing my Warner Brothers special. My Warner Brothers uh, CD. I really got my shit together again. I really nice. did. I started doing multiple sets around town. Yeah. I started writing a lot more. Yeah. I started really taking it seriously because I realized like you can't do that. You can't fall apart. You can't. No. You can't just start bombing. Nah, man. Nah, man. But That's... you get soft, man. You can get soft, and they they were making me soft too. Like one of the producers was like, "Why are you still doing stand up? You're oh. an actor now." Oh. 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 Ew, ew. But that's what everybody wanted. Even Seinfeld took time off. He did. Uh, he did Seinfeld and stopped doing stand up. Yeah. A lot of people got brought into that trap. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's hard to get hired as a writer too, because it's it's almost. I'm learning. It's almost like the difference between improv cats and stand up cats, mm. right? So if you're a writer, if that's what you do, you write, then. Um, they may feel they may have a certain bias or feel a certain type of way to you know towards a comic that writes, mm -hmm. and it's like oh you know okay it's like you deal with it everywhere and it's like but but you basically you can always leave always and you mm -hmm. always have and you have you basically you're sitting in a room and you got you got two jobs you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying so it's like we got this job but I'm also gonna do this other job yeah like nobody want be nobody with one job wants to sit next to somebody with two jobs <laughs> <laughs> i totally get it you know what i mean well, especially then, with comedy because their comedy is kind of unproven yeah like they think they're funny right but how do you know you're funny how do you really know i've yeah. always wondered that i was like that's a courageous thing that to is invest. so courageous right yeah. you're a comedy writer and you don't even perform like how do you know if it's funny like it's, who told you you're funny i know who told you are you sure Malcolm Gladwell? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I really want to listen to him again. So I need, I need, I need, we need to talk, man. He's right I and he's support wrong. Him. If he was here right now, he would, I'm sure he would see our perspective. Right. And then I could listen to him again because I, I miss it. He's right, though. In certain ways, he's right. It's a very controlled environment. But that still Based doesn't make on what it easy. he saw. But yeah. you know what else? I read an article by another guy. He, here's, here's the thing that's happening, too. People who aren't that strong in comedy are writing articles about comedy. You know what I mean? Like in in <sighs> national things. You know, who yeah, wrote this? And it's right. like, I'm a comic. I've seen him. He's not, yeah, what? I she's don't terrible. Speak, yeah, why are they speaking for us? Yeah. And you're like, comedians are not a monolith. Like uh, you're like, oh. I read this article like, this woman wrote about men not being funny and I've seen her act talking about forcing men to eat her pussy and it's one of the, the worst bits I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. I'm like, this is hilarious. <laughs> but yet she was able to write that thing on that platform yeah, it's, and it's like an amazing thing that's happening like everybody's a pundit everybody's got an well, opinion well if, if there's money to be made in clicks you know yeah. that's what it is if you can especially if you're writing an article like shitting on someone who's done something wrong like Louis C.K. Uh, or, yeah. or someone else or Aziz Ansari someone who's gotten in trouble right. and you go after them and they know that like that's why the pylon happens because it yeah. gets people attention it's a very profitable lucrative venture it is very yeah yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of people writing stories or articles about comedy where they're they're dismissive. They don't Very. understand. They don't really truly understand what they're talking about. Yeah, it's like so many gaps. You're like, whoa, whoa, what's this? And yeah, all that stuff annoys me. And um, 
I don't carry it much, but it was so funny because I, when I sat here, I was like, oh, yeah, Malcolm Gladwell sat here. I'm tell you about him. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Seinfeld did something like that one time, too. He was on, like, HBO talking to Bob Costas about comedy. I'm like, why is this happening? And he said, and, and Jerry said, uh, I don't know who the next people are. I mean, these, these young comedians don't study. And I, I took great offense. They to don't that. study. He said they don't study. What does that mean? He said he, he said they don't know. They don't study the craft. They don't, or they don't know. You know, I oh. guess who who came before them or whatever. Generaliz- generalizations gen- like that are so crazy to say. So here's so so I'm at Hermosa Beach Comedy Magic Club and Jimmy Brogan, who I call like the uh, the comic whisperer. Like uh, he goes, you know, Jerry's performing. You want to come come down? Of course. So I go watch Jerry perform, and then he invites me in the green room. And when I see Jerry, I couldn't help myself. I go, hey, man, uh, <laughs> you can't be going on TV saying uh, comedians don't study. He goes, I know you. Hey, man, whatever, man. Because you, you, I study. You can't do that. You, you, you're dismissing a whole generation. People listen to you. Yeah. He goes, all right, man, I'm, I'm fine. You want a cigar? Have a seat. So, <laughs> so then I, I sit down and I look to my left. It's Jay Leno. It's like <laughs> Kevin Nealon. It's like all these heavy hitters. <laughs> but I just saw him yeah. and just had to put, hey, yo, what are you doing? Like, yeah. You no, know. you're right. But sometimes people say things and they're just talking. I they don't know. even know if they have a point. They're I just know. hoping they could formulate it as they're talking. <laughs> you know? Right, but I can't let it go. I'm like, oh, I got to find this guy. You're right. You're right. And he was right, too, to let it go, <laughs> yeah, to agree was, with you. He was so chill. He was like, yeah. hey, all right, man. You want, want a cigar? And I sat there. Um, that was easy. Mark Norman, who's a friend of mine, does yeah. gigs with him. He says he's great. He oh, said Jerry's man. a great guy. I believe it, man. Yeah. And he just... Well, he still is doing it, and he's got $500 million in the bank, and he's still doing it. Dude, he's been doing it well Forever. since the 80s. But he's, like, he's always working on it honing yeah. it. He, like, still does it. Yeah. He still does it, like, he, legitimately. He's basically, he's one of those guys that did what you're telling me to do. You got to you gotta trust it all the way, mm-hmm. and you just got to just do it. Because when you say, how do I write? Some days when, I, when all I do is write comedy, I go, God damn, why don't I do this all the time? Because yeah. I take I could take my bits so, yes. you know, and it's the best. And You know how you said that you're consistently inconsistent? Yeah, oh yeah. That's a, that's a hallmark of a funny person. It's a oh. strange thing. <laughs> like most comics are, we're, we're very impulsive, crazy people. Right. We don't. You know, we don't necessarily have discipline, you know? Man, yeah. I'm just very fortunate that I was involved in something else before comedy uh, that required discipline because your fucking physical health is on the line. <laughs> like, I had to have discipline. I was going to get my brains kicked up. in. So, like, that transferred over to stand-up. But it's so yeah. easy to fuck off, man. Yeah. When I come home from the comedy store and it's late at night, a lot of times, I just want to go to sleep. Yeah. I don't want to do anything. I want to watch TV. I want to fuck off. But yeah. I sit in front of that goddamn laptop. I yeah. sit in front of that laptop. I'll spark a joint. I'll go outside. I'll spark a joint. That's the best part. Stare, stare at the sky. Yeah. Come back inside and stare at that laptop. And then I'll start writing. And I'll force myself. I'll say, I'm going to do one hour. Maybe I'll do more than one hour, but I'm definitely going to do one hour. And I set a timer. That's the best punch up. Did I ever tell you my Mitch Hedberg story? Which one? I did acid with him. Whoa. When I was 26. That's somewhere. a great story. Yeah, man. So me and Mitch uh, met at the Chicago Comedy Festival. And um, we clicked, right? And we walk around. I was living in Chicago at the time. And uh, we walked around. He was like, yo, oh, <clears throat> I'm about to be rich, man. He, he had just <laughs> signed this deal or whatever in Montreal. I couldn't get Montreal to, like, look at me. But I, I, he had just crushed in Montreal. And he goes, uh, I'm about to be rich, man. He pulls out this Velcro wallet. It was and he goes, you see this ring? When I lived in Seattle, I used to pawn this ring so I could eat. 
and then I would go eat and get a gig and then buy it back. I won't have to do that no more. So he just sounds some big deal. Wow. So he needed a shirt for his HBO half hour special, the one where he's sitting on the steps. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I helped him pick out that shirt. And then I had a gig in Minnesota, I, like after the festival, he goes, can I ride with you? So we road tripped to Minnesota because he was from St. Paul. I spent a night in his, in his home. And, and that's when he, I learned he was like a chef and all that stuff. And so we really clicked and we were bumping to each other on the road. We were in Houston. And uh, he goes, when I decided I wanted to do comedy, I hit acid. I, you know, I took a hit of acid. I got my notebook and everything I saw, I wrote. And I was like, oh, it'd be funny like that. <laughs> so I did acid with him. And um, and we were both in this hotel room. Like, and the, the woman, it was a woman who was the dealer. And um, she came over and, you know, in the hotel room. And that's when I learned where cartoons come from. Like, everything I saw was like a fucking cartoon. And I was tripping, man. And he videotaped me tripping and i'm going why is a a why is b b why is the letter green green who said green? who said the letter? and i was doing it he's videotaping me and he literally goes i, I clearly remember him going you should do this on stage <laughs> Go back, take me some more. and i go stage 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 like i'm like scatting man right going and i'm seeing all this thing and then like um i started uh I was on this whole thing like all I kept thinking about was pussy, right? And I saw and I was dating this girl. And this is back when you use a calling card. And I only oh, knew two numbers by yeah. heart, my mom's number and hers. And I was like, I pray that I'm calling the girl. As <laughs> <laughs> so I was talking to her on the phone and I was on the bed and I was like, I want your pussy. Like all that shit. She said, Are you high? You know, just fucking up the whole thing. And I go, Yeah. Don't don't do anything. Don't jump. And I was like, why are you putting that shit in my head? Like, because whatever whatever she saw, I could see. Like, I could physically see it. And then I look over in the bed uh, next to me, and Mitch is like fucking the girl that bought the, uh, the thing. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm in the orgy, but not really. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the phone. He's actually doing it. Oh, so I'm virtual reality. And then like my body started shaking, and the whole shit like left my my body and so that's how like you know that was my my experience i never did it again never desired to do it again but i i, I did it with mitch and it was like it was like this crazy thing and uh and so we used to f- we would do colleges separate of one another and we would leave each other notes and shit you know and um uh he would be like kill it man or whatever and, and um one time i was doing some college in buttfuck pennsylvania no no you know some buttfuck but it was it was somewhere in Pennsylvania, and he he had just done, and that's when I learned about he, him passing. Like I was literally reading his note when I heard about the heroin shit. Like, oh, man. But I, so that he, was you were man. reading the note that he wrote that to he you? That he wrote me when it, the news broke, like, did you hear about Mitch? And it was like, fuck. Yeah, man, yeah, man, yeah, man. <sighs> me and Stan Hope were on the set. Oh, I love him, man. <clears throat> we were uh, That's we were right. Y'all did the show together. together. Yeah, when we found out that he was I was at his wedding. Sick. Did you go to Stan his Hope's wedding? Like, no. <laughs> Was was one, it, I just the happened to be one. in Vegas. I was whatever <clears throat> happened in Vegas. I was in that one. I, I was the, there. The original. I was in it. This is like many years ago. Yeah. 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 Go, go, go I, I told him, "What are you doing?" Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> I didn't know I could say that to him. I was. I think I was in Vegas independent. And yeah. I was like, but we were cool, so I was there. Like, Yo, this is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Right after he was married, it's something happened where his girlfriend mouthed up to a cop, and they bounced her head <sighs> off the hood and arrested her. And like, Jesus, bro. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, we found out that Mitch had been 
brought brought to the hospital and they thought he was going to lose his leg because yeah. he'd been shooting into this foot. one same area yeah. and he got gangrene. I yeah. was like, God damn! And then he got free of that and and he healed up, but he went right back to it. He yeah. would not, you know, he didn't have any desire to kick heroin. It's really interesting. Like he, I'm not, and they call me the naive detective. Like I never knew that he did that because really? when, whenever I saw him, we were working out. He, we would always go to the gym. He was mad competitive. Like he would run the treadmill. Really? Yeah, he was like, he was competitive. Like he would, he'd like me to open for him because he liked to work. Like he was like, mm -hmm. he didn't want me to hold back. He was like, go man. Like I just, that's the side that I saw of him. And then when he had to deal with the show and all of that shit, he did, would do material about it because it's it's such a different experience than from what he is you know yeah. what I mean? dealing with the notes of it all and all that shit he was like yo i pitched an idea i wanted to do this idea and it became like oh, yeah the dream is yeah. not the reality yeah that, that you know but the dream his dream was his stand-up to this day i'll still like i like to listen to his stand-up when i'm on my way to the airport because yeah. it's like stressful yeah, it's like yeah. but his stand-up was so silly so silly so silly so you know so like one of my favorite jokes is his banana joke somebody <laughs> asked me do you want a frozen banana i said no but i want a regular banana later so yes, yes. <laughs> Like that, yes. he had so much of that that was so just, great. I just enjoyed that it was very silly and yeah. I didn't, you know, I don't, I don't know what, when he got into the heroin, I don't know when, but. I, yeah, I never knew, I, it's so crazy, like, I mean, I knew he did his thing, but it, I, I, I think people, like, people just never did that shit in front of me. You know? Right, no one ever did it in front of me either, but yeah. I knew they were doing it. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine in New York that died from it. Wow. He was snorting it. <clears throat> Shit. Yeah, but he got into pills and a lot of this. That's what a lot of times they they find out about oxys and yeah, they snort pills and it's just opioids. It's just I mean that crisis is something that's just swept through the entire world. I mean, so many people are dying from that shit. Yeah, man. It's, uh, I've never done it, but I did. I did get a morphine drip once when I had my knee fixed. And you felt great. Oh, so <laughs> he was like, I get it. Kept hitting that button. I was like, oh. <laughs> you can hit the button every time you wanted some oh, morphine. That's what I hear. Beep, it's a beep, button. Beep, it beep, so beep. And I just was like, wow. wow. It just made you feel like like the world was filled with love, just wow. caressing you. Everything was yeah. love. Like a womb feeling. Like yeah, you're protected. Man. You're safe. You're going to be okay. Amazing. Which makes sense that a lot of musicians and a lot of people wanted that because so many people that are like really super creative or they're they're kind of in pain. A lot of those people are like they're they're like when you when you think of uh, Nirvana, you think of Kurt Cobain, the screaming, all that. Yeah. Like there's that's coming from a place of pain, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then that dude would go off and do heroin. Mm. Well, I'm yeah, glad man. you're not doing heroin, Owen. Nah, fam. I, I was always, you know, you know, um, Lenny Bias passing of mm -hmm. um, Co cocaine overdose yeah. scared me from doing anything Beautiful. because um, he was all muscle. Yeah, and I was like, if cocaine could take him down, I don't stand a chance. Like, I've never had a six pack. This dude. <laughs> amazing you know what i'm saying yeah, so super athlete when that happened like that's my brain was like oh that shit ain't for me and so uh, weed i do um i did mushrooms once shit my pants <laughs> 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 on this dude's white couch oh no <laughs> i secretly think i never liked that guy he was a, he was like an asshole to me but i was just purpose just 
<laughs> shit on his dumb white couch, <laughs> white carpet. Ugh. Oh. And they was like, "All right, man, see you." <laughs> Just we got to wrap this up, man. Okay. It's three o'clock. Um, Textowen.com. We'll be at the Improv together Wednesday night for the ten thirty show. Yes. Um, Owensmith.com. Is that your website? Owensmithlive.com. Owensmithlive.com. Social media, Owen Smith for real. But most importantly, go to textowen.com and I'll send you. Never. Break his phone. Try yeah, to break, break his my phone. phone. Break, break his that phone. shit. Bye, everybody. Bye.